ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of That's Entertaining. This week, it's gonna sound a little bit different, because I'm actually in the Sanctum Centaurum of one Mr. Don Driscoll. Don, thank you for having me in today. Well, you're very welcome. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. So, just a little bit of background. Don is what I call the comic book aficionado. If I have a question about comics, I go to Don. He knows everything there is to know about Batman, about Daredevil, about Superman, Green Lantern. You're giving me too much credit. <laughs> Everybody that I can think of, he knows about. In fact, as we're talking right near, right here, he actually has a stack of comics that have to do with what we're going to be talking about for the movie this week. So Just happen to have those. Just, just happen to have them laying around somewhere, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So, but I have one question, Don. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? <laughs> no. I, I was watching that movie again, you know, today, and we'll get into it more later, but I just love that quote, that line. That it is great. Here. But I figured it was appropriate for now. That's right. So, typically what we do is we start out with what we've been entertained by, what we're doing. And me, honestly, haven't been entertained by much. I've been watching Daredevil. That's about it. And then I've been working on the house. Right. I have a, a, a great little project that I'm still working on. So on Daredevil, how many episodes? Complete. Oh, you have gotten it complete. Yep, I finally completed so, it. So, is this going to be a spoiler no, discussion? No, no. We're actually going to have an, an episode directly okay. for Daredevil. Okay, well... And our listeners, we, we know that you you don't want any spoilers, so don't worry about spoilers right now. But, I do have to say... We can have... Great show. I agree. Great show. And good, solid season. Looking mm -hmm. forward to the next season. A couple things they would have done differently, but overall, definitely a very good show. Yeah. I mean, the acting was really spot on. The casting, perfect. I didn't even know nope. who Vincent D'Onofrio was until the show. No, I looked him up and he played some heavies before. Yeah. So he was good casting. Yeah. So, and there was some hubbub about uh, the actor that played Daredevil. Uh, yeah. Charlie Cox, maybe? Yeah. He wants, obviously, he wants Daredevil to show up in Captain America Civil oh. War. And he wants his own standalone movie. But I think, honestly, the story that they're telling, really, there wasn't a lot of filler in the season. So no. I think it would be best as a TV show. No, I agree. It was a solid TV show. With the good relationships with Foggy and Daredevil, I just loved. Mm -hmm. That was good. And Karen Page was good. Uh, it was all, you know, an excellent show. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I've been entertained by this week. I haven't played any games oh except for popping into uh, Forza uh, once or twice. But um, again, I have stuff to play. Just I've been playing the house maintenance, getting ready to sell game, which oh. is great. Oh, well, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> So, Don, how about you? I'm, I'm sure that you have... Are you just bursting with entertaining right. information, what you've been doing? That's right. I have quite a lot of free time, unlike you, because I'm not selling a house. <laughs> so, I just finished the... Uh, so, a couple things. So, the Americans just wrapped up their season three. And as uh, I think you know, they are... It's about a, a Russian sleeper cell in early 1980s Reagan America. Uh, and I'll say a little bit about it without spoiling it too much, but... Uh, this season was, the focus was their 16-year-old daughter, Paige, and the Russian, their bosses want them to convert her into a Russian spy. Mom's on board. Dad says, no way. And it goes from there. Interesting. Pretty good. And it was a good, the, the very last episode, the very last moment is quite a cliffhanger. So good. it's that's something I would recommend people catch up on. Um, like me, I haven't. I, I yeah, watched maybe I one episode. Start from scratch, so I think it's on Amazon Instant Video, if not also yeah. Netflix too. So I can probably backwatch a lot of it. Yeah, I'm not sure it's on Netflix, but I think you're right about Amazon. Okay. Um, 
What else? The Flash. I keep up on that. So good. Probably my favorite new show of the season. It's my favorite superhero show. Currently. I think that's right. Except for Daredevil. Okay, what do you like better, Daredevil or Flash? I like Flash better because uh, I'm more optimistic. There you go. <laughs> but Daredevil's a close second. Okay. Daredevil's a close second. No, Flash is is really good. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the this season's uh, finale and the big, assuming there's a big battle, uh, it should be really good. Yeah. So a couple more episodes, I think. Do you know, so there's a couple more episodes left in the season, and this is the first season, so mm-hmm. they're off to a great start. I know. I don't know what they're going to do second season. <laughs> assuming, assuming the battle is what I think. I mean, I, I assume it's going to be with Reverse Flash. But, I mean, he can always come back, I assume. But yeah. we'll see how it goes. Should be good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. A couple other things. Since this is my first time on, I actually have... Uh, I'm going to go back a little bit. Not as... A little further than just past week. Okay, that's say, like fine. the past month. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can do the beginning of 2015 if you want. And since, you know, I, I listened to your prior uh, very entertaining podcast. And uh, one thing you guys haven't touched on that's entertaining is science fiction books. True. So I had uh, I had a couple recommendations for folks that I just finished. First, historically, uh, the Isaac Asimov Fountainhead or Fountain the Fountain uh, Fountain series, uh, Foundation series, Foundation and Empire, Second Foundation. Back in 1950s, he wrote them, and they are excellent. They won the best uh, science fiction series of all time, the really? Hugo Award, uh, hmm. in the 70s, I think it was, and there, no one else has ever won that award. So, so it's not like an annual award; it's like uh, an it was achievement a one, award. It was, one it was thing? a one time, okay. one time. Nobody else has ever gotten it. Now, is it a, something that somebody else could win? Yeah, they came up with it again. Okay. And yeah, there are several series that I would nominate, but <laughs> uh, you know, I think it was also an honorarium for him because he was so well renowned. Yeah, and loved. So, um, one thing I'll touch on a little bit when we get to more current events is The Martian with Andy uh, Weir by Andy Weir. It's a book about uh, basically Robin Crusoe stuck on Mars. And uh, it was a great book. It's winning all the prizes for last year. And uh, it's up for Hugo and Nebula Awards. So if people haven't uh, read that, they should. Both my, uh, how many? I think all three of my sons have read it. Hmm. And they all loved it. Really? So it's really good. So that came out last year, you said? came out last year. And it's called The Martian. Just The Martian. Okay. So I'll raise my hand. I haven't read that one. (laughs) So I need to put that on my list then. I mean, that's that's high praise. I mean, if all your sons have read it too. Wow, and it's you know it's about a very clever man on Mars, left behind. Nobody knows he's there. What's he gonna do? So cool. it's really good. So does it does it pull it all from the John Carter kind of thing? No, 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 okay. no, no. It's realistic. Okay, it's it's real Mars. So so real Mars, as long as Martian, you could breathe in the atmosphere and everything. I'm assuming, right? No, really. No, he has limited oxygen. That's one of his problems. So he's got like, a tank. <laughs> He's, well, they left. They left. Uh, you know, their vehicle behind, like they usually do. So there's mm-hmm. some oxygen there. Okay. And there are some plants inside because they're supposed to be there for a long time. So. So he's got a ticking clock. He has to deal with it. Okay. Yeah. So and then how does he communicate with Earth? So, so I watched this movie once about Mars um, called uh, Total Recall, <laughs> <laughs> where they, <laughs> yeah. where, where there was supposedly this big old ice glacier in, yeah. underneath uh, Mars. Uh, not in the book. Not in the book. Okay. How about that scene with Arnold Schwarzenegger where they're out on, out on Mars, they're getting all buggy-eyed, and their their skin is is you know falling apart and getting, and then all of a sudden they get back in oxygen, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Yes. No repercussions at all. Little, it was just like a little unbelievable there. <laughs> and then uh, finally, Ancillary Justice and Ancillary Sword. Uh, Anne Leckie is the author. Ancillary Justice came out 
uh, year before last, and it won the Yugo and Nebula. Um, and then Ancillary Sword just came out a few months ago. Well, late 2014. And those are both, it's, they're two books of a trilogy. Uh, they're both standalone, um, but they're both excellent. So cool. if people like science fiction, they should give those a try. Go on Amazon, check out the reviews. If they like them, give it are a try. Are they shot. on Kindle and like, you know, oh, sure. e-books everywhere? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Barnes & Noble, if they're still around, Walden Books, I'm sure they've That's all right. got them, right? Okay. Is there, there isn't Walden Books anymore, are they? They're all closed down. No, they've been closed for years. Right? Yeah. I think the only brick and mortar bookstore now is uh, Barnes & Noble. Except the small independents, there aren't very mm -hmm. many of those left. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Um, so, you've covered books. What else have you been up to? Uh, I just wanted to put a plug in for uh, Comixology sales, ah. for those people who haven't tried them. Love Comixology. Because Comixology has sales going all the time, and they're 99 cents. Uh, this week, for example, they have the 1980s Avengers on sale. Uh, in preparation for the movie, they have Saga, the first 27 issues or so, which is a great independent series. I need to get into that. I have the first issue, but I, yeah. I haven't even read that yet. It, they're they're excellent. And then Walking Dead, they have over 100 issues on sale. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if, well, of course, if anybody hasn't read, read Walking Dead now, who, who would get into that, right. they're they're well past their time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, cool. So, no, and then, and then uh, one other thing, speaking of uh, digital forms marvel unlimited i wanted to mention mm -hmm. so marvel unlimited is 69 dollars a year so considering the price of comics is four dollars an issue uh it doesn't take much it takes like 17 comics to get to that price wow and it gives you the universe of the marvel library now it's not 100 percent, but it's pretty complete so it's like the netflix of comic books for marvel yeah except it's more complete i'd say if you there are very few things more than four months old that i have not found on there Okay. So it goes back uh, to the library, and it, has, it probably has 80 or 90% of the library that's more than five months old. And then it doesn't have the you know three, four, five months most recent stuff. Uh, okay. But there's a lot on there. And you could save 12 issues at a time in your library at the store, so you can read it off when you're offline. Download it? Yeah. Okay. You can cool. read anything online all the time. But it's a good deal. 69 bucks a year, you said, right? dollars a year. Not so, bad. I mean, I'll have to say this. I've been recently subscribing. I'm on another podcast called The Holocron Council. If you haven't heard of it, plug there. Um, <laughs> go ahead and listen to us over there. We talk about the Star Wars comics that are from Marvel. Yeah. And, you know, Marvel was recently uh, given the Star Wars license by Disney, uh, you know, a subsidiary company, right. when they got the Star Wars license. And when that happened, all these Legends comics that Dark Horse had mm -hmm. then kind of became, you know, in the realm of being owned by Marvel in a way. Right. So, on Marvel Unlimited, I saw that there was an announcement recently that the Star Wars comics, um, and I don't know if it's all of them or not, but the Star Wars comics that are published under Dark Horse were going to be coming to Marvel now. Wow. So there's a lot of stories that are coming. It may not be all of the, you know, the entire collection, but there's going to be some key storylines that are coming through. There's some tricky licensing issues there. Uh, they got the best lawyers. lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> so it becomes easy, I'm sure, when you have, uh, you know, Walt Disney Company putting the the bill behind all the the lawyers. So that's right. Fine. They can afford it. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to actually to seeing if. You said it takes four months after it's been published to Approximately. be Approximately. I just kind of noted. I don't think there's anything official. That seems to be what it is. Okay. Yeah. So I'm subscribing to print for the Star Wars, the Darth Vader, the Princess Leia, the Kanan, and it will be the Lando and the other one that they do, Shattered Dimensions, I think it is. None of which I've read. No, well, because I, I don't know only because you're, I don't. You're, you're more of the traditional comic. Well, no, yeah, but I'm I'm so after Marvel. 
you know, I'm at least five months behind. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> as long as so, when it comes on Marvel Unlimited, <laughs> then you'll catch up. Unless it becomes on a Comixology sale, okay. then I catch up on things that way too. Okay, makes sense. But I was just gonna say, with those per per series, which a series is twelve issues for for mm-hmm. those runs, um, face value obviously twelve issues times four. I mean, that's gonna be considerably more than the unlimited subscription. Well, it's forty eight dollars for one for series. just for one series. So right. So if you have that times four series that are currently running with twelve issues, the discount that they give you from subscribing directly from print from Marvel is I think forty percent or so. Okay. So then it becomes a little bit more than two dollars an issue, but still, I'm paying more for my issues than I would be for for one year of the Marvel Unlimited, and I could have the whole library of Marvel comics. Yes, but then you're behind the curve, and you probably want to be, you know, I'm a little older, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and this generation likes to be kept up on things that are immediate. It's Twitter, everything happens now. I need to know now. I have patience. <laughs> oh, patience is a virtue. So. Anything else you've been entertained by that you would uh, like to bring? Well, up? my sixteen-year-old said I should uh, I should make a comment about uh, the arrow, the arrow, or just well, arrow, uh, because we're we're about uh, two weeks behind, so we're not exactly caught up. But he's complaining that this season it is less gritty realism about his mission to save the city mm-hmm. than it is about his personal problems, the relationships on the team, and their issues. So it's more of a soap, you know, kind of a soap opera drama. Than it is about the hard reality of trying to save a city. So it's becoming a traditional CW show. That is correct. <laughs> That's right. I hadn't thought of it that way. Because I mean, if you look at, I mean, honestly, you look at the Flash, right? There's there's relationship issues in there, and he's a young person, and everybody's young in that show. Yeah. Arrow, there's the relationships that were always around there, but with the superhero, you know, comic book kind of theme going on too. They're all CW shows that have the right. same kind of soap opera connotation for the younger folks. Yeah, but Flash is supposed to be... He's a team player. He's all about building relationships. The Arrow is supposed to be a, kind of a loner, a very gritty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's... That's not... He used to be. But now he's all about his relationships with others and caring. And let's get out there and do some justice. <laughs> get out there and do justice. I like that. So, I think that pretty much covers, as far as anything that I can think of, the entertaining side... Um, I know that you were looking forward to something. We've done um, one of the first series that we covered when we started this podcast was the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. And I was talking to you, and you were excited for the new one coming, which we are too. Mm -hmm. So what what is it about the new movie that's coming out that you are looking forward to? Well, Daniel Craig, number one, right? Uh And it's been how many years since the last one? It seems like forever, but I didn't know it's that long. Two years? Yeah, probably two years. And that, that was, I think that's probably my favorite you know, James Bond movie ever. Skyfall? Skyfall. So I would think, I'm hoping that Spectre is not going to do, it's not going to have the the even number problem they've been mm. having with the Daniel Craig movies. <laughs> Quantum of Solace was not very good. But if you watch it in conjunction with Casino, it's a little bit better. And think of it as part two? Yeah. Okay. Or like Epilogue. Continuation, exactly. Yeah. Epilogue. Yeah. So I'm hoping that uh, uh, the Spectre, or Spectre, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, which is the next one, is going to be maybe not as good, but if it can get two-thirds of the way there, I'll be pretty happy. Well, good. I mean, I'm looking forward to it, too. I, The greatness that was Skyfall, I, I, I'm i worried that it's not going to be up to what I'm building it up to be because Skyfall was so great. Right. And I really just want it to be good. That's all I want. But it is the same director. That yes. helps. Yes. A lot. Same director helps. 
Um, obviously, because of the event that happened in Skyfall, there's going to be different actors for different roles, but I'm interested to see how it all comes together and continues on. Mm-hmm. So, well, good. Well, how about we talk about some news items? Okay. So, Star Wars Celebration happened last week, and we had a whole, you know, episode pretty much dedicated to Star Wars news. And they announced on, I think, the third or fourth day of the celebration, a new a new TV show, or not a new, a new movie. Star Wars Anthology movie, they call it, which is going to be coming out next year in December. It's called Rogue One. So, with Rogue One, they describe it as the the saving Private Ryan of the Star Wars universe. And it's live action? Yeah. So it's live action. And actually, it's funny thing is, we know more about the plot of this movie than we do of the plot <laughs> of Episode Seven or The Force Awakens. Because they gave actually a plot of this movie that said that it's all about them... It's about a rogue band of resistant fighters that unite to steal the Death Star plans. Oh, wow. Okay. So, we know more about what this movie's going to entail than we know about what The Force Awakens is going to entail, which is kind of funny because this one's coming out like yeah. 2017, or I'm sorry, 2016. Um, That's but, interesting. I mean, it's a good question. Yeah. How did they get the plans? Exactly. I mean, yeah. that was the opening crawl. And if they continue this approach, right, hmm. animating the opening crawls, I wouldn't mind that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Because, well, unless you're talking about idea. episode one's opening crawl and it's talking about the trade routes and things. But oh, right. That might fall into some people's not-so-fun category. But right. you look at, you know, episode one, or I mean, episode four's crawl where they're talking about the the, the Rebel Alliance that got the Death Star plans, then you open up with Leia giving R2 the Death Star plans. It ties in, and it's an important piece of the Star Wars lore. Yeah. It sounds really good. Yeah. Did, so, they, did they announce any uh, who's in it? Or who the director is? So the director is Gareth Edwards. And you may know him from the most recently, I believe, is Godzilla. Oh, okay. So I did he, not see that. Yeah. Oh, really? That's that's a good movie. Um, we're actually going to be covering that not too far in the distant future. No. Um, so Godzilla was a good movie, um, which was honestly more about the people than I would say about the, the beast. Yeah. Um, which seems to be the case anyway. But so... Gareth Edwards is is going to be the director for this one, and it does have a an, uh, an announced cast member, but only one. And for the life of me, I can't remember what her name is. So I I am going to have to defer to not knowing what her name is right now. Okay, Felicity Jones. Oh, Felicity Jones. Which I don't know what she's been in. But Felicity yeah. Jones is going to be, is the only announced cast member so far for Star Wars uh, Rogue One, and. What they did at the at the celebration was show some concept footage, some concept art, yeah, and it was really cool because it showed these these this group of rebel soldiers, and then it kind of panned up into the sky, and in the distance in the sky you see a big Death Star. So you see this big Death Star in the sky, and it just looked really cool. Oh. So there's there's a lot more released about this movie than there was released about The Force Awakens at this time before The Force Awakens came out. So. Well, I quickly jumped online, of course, uh-huh. in this modern age, and Felicity Jones was uh, an amazing Spider-Man. She was the one who was going to ultimately become Black Cat, if if that was going to keep was on she, going. She was in Spider Amazing Spider-Man Two. Not very much, but she was in there. I can't even remember. She was the uh, the secretary for uh, in Oscorp. Oh, okay, that's right. Most recently, yeah. though, she was in The Theory of Everything, I think, right? Yes. She played Mrs. Hawking? Is that That's correct? That's right. That's right. Okay. Which, I, I again, movie I haven't seen. I haven't yet either. It's on my list of movies to see. 
So I, I think it was the last episode where we had Alex on the show, and Alex, you know, he had this theory about how I watch everything. There's another <laughs> thing I haven't seen yet, Alex. That's just for you. So, um, but Star Wars Rogue One, I'm very excited for that to get more details on that. Uh, they did say that this one, it's it's all about the soldiers, the rebel soldiers. Hmm. There's no Jedi. There's there's no Jedi in this movie, or it's okay. you know it's just more gritty realism about the actual mission against the Empire to get those plans. So well, that explains why it's, it's kind of like Saving Private Ryan. Then I could see that mm-hmm. more of an on the ground. Yep, because not you look at the Star Wars universe. There's a lot of rich, you know, mining material right. that you could that you could pull from because you have the the epic struggle between the uh, the Rebel Alliance and mm-hmm. the Empire, and honestly, between Episode three and four, what we know now. You had Obi Wan and Yoda out there, right. who were the Jedi. So they weren't. They wouldn't be placing placing in these battles. It was all the shul- the soldiers themselves. How so many years are supposed to take place between three and four? I want to say it's between thirty and forty, but I okay. can't remember for sure. And then how about between uh, the last, well, number six, and the new movie? Thirty. Thirty. All right. Which is about right. Yeah. Yeah. So that that'll that'll mean that. Um, the actors will actually look their age. Well, yeah, and they do. <laughs> I mean, you've seen the trailer, so you saw right. Han at the end of the trailer. He, he definitely looks like uh, he's he's aged as a human would in that time frame. Yeah. So, another piece of news that was very relevant to today's discussion and to these lovely plates that we're eating off of. We have these Avengers Assemble plates that we have this piece of cake on before the show. <laughs> oh, so good. Anyway, there is a, a game coming out in 2017. That Marvel is partnered with Telltale with. Now, Don, I know you're not much in the gaming realm. I'm not. However, I know for a fact that you have played a Telltale game. Which one? The Walking Dead. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they uh, they did um, The Wolf Among Us as well. Okay. They they're doing the current Game of Thrones uh, series um, and some other series that are, are out right now. But they partnered with Marvel, and in 2017, mm. which is also the year Civil War comes out. Oh, that's right. They're making a game. Now, I pose to you. Could this signal... Because with Civil War, you... As a reader, you have to kind of choose a side. Right. Perfect opportunity with this game to make your your decisions kind of flow with what happens. Because the way that they put these games are, they're all about decisions. They're all about interactions and seeing how you interact with the other characters, right? You could end up on Cap's side. You could end up on Iron Man's side. Or you could change size, like some of them did in the Civil War story. Could, yeah. Right. So I'm, I would be, I'm really excited to find out more about this. Now they haven't announced what it's going to be about, but I would love to see a tie-in that kind of, right, pulls into the Civil War story because it's coming out that year. It makes sense to have Marvel's Civil War, the Telltale game. It does. So I assume it'll probably be adapted for uh, the iPad and other tablets. Yeah, they, they usually are. Okay. Good. So you'll be a gamer in in, <laughs> in uh, 2017. So I'm looking forward to that, getting more information on there. Um, well, this will date me, but you know I used to be a gamer in terms of the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games. Oh, those I were great games. I love those. Those were great games. <laughs> it's been a lot of time. Now, are you talking about the X-Wing game that was on PC or the one that you had the vector vision that you set no. in the little cockpit on? PC. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I also played those games. Those, yeah. were, those were good games. Those were good games. Um, as far as, as entertainment news goes... Um, we mentioned it a little bit before, The Martian. Right. You said that they're making a movie. Yes, and uh, that's going to be starring Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Excellent okay. in that role. He was also 
So th- describe the character that he's going to be playing. Well, it has to be somebody who is comes across as smart. He has mm-hmm. to be very intelligent, uh, hardworking. He has to be a believable engineer. Someone who's very practical, not a dreamer, uh, and someone who can you know be on be by himself, a loner for months at a time, without going nuts. I think he's going to do a good job. Now and can carry on the screen all but often. He, he's going to be on the screen by himself for at least an hour solid. <laughs> so this is going to be role. this is going to be similar to kind of. Um, the show Castaway. Yes, that's right. So similar to how, you know, it was, uh, what was his name? The Tom main Hanks. Actor. Tom Hanks. He was on an island by himself with a with a ball the yeah. entire show. He was acting opposite of a ball. Right. <laughs> so the question is, will he have a ball to act with? He will not have a ball to act oh, with. I don't think so. I don't think so. But it, it, there aren't that many actors who can carry off all by himself. On the screen for an hour or more. It's true because I mean, all right. As an as a public who we look at the Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. You have an ensemble cast right. of amazing actors on the screen at any given time, and then you look at this movie, one guy, one guy. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm intrigued by the plot. I'm intrigued by what you've described as you know what's what's happening, the ticking clock scenario, mm-hmm. what happens when he's on Mars. So. And, but I'm surprised that I haven't seen, like, a, is there a trailer for this or anything? Oh, no, I don't think so. He just cast. What year is it announced. coming out? It's coming out next year, 2016. 2016. I believe. I believe. Okay. So so uh, I guess with one guy on, on, a, on a red studio stage, they might be able to film that <laughs> in a short amount of time. Yeah. But, you know, I encourage you to pick up the book. Yeah. I'll it's a, it's a it fast read. It's very good. The Martian. So, who's who's it by again? Uh, Andy Weir. W-E-I-R. Andy Weir. And I think I've read other things by him, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, I don't think so. I think this no? is his first book. Oh, okay. And he knocks it out of the park. Wow. He's up for Hugo and Nebula with his first book. But so was uh, Anne Leckie with Ancillary uh, Sword, or Ancillary Justice, her first book. So Wow. A lot of good first times come around this time. Yeah. So that sounds interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing more about that when it comes out, seeing a trailer or something when that's available. So next year, we'll, I'm assuming we'll see something probably before the end of the year as far as a trailer right. goes. So... One more thing on the news front, and that's not really to do with entertaining stuff, but I thought it was cool. Piece of tech. So, have you heard of Project Fi? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> so, what Project Fi is, Google announced it this week. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a conglomeration between Sprint, T-Mobile, and Wi-Fi to use cell phones Okay. on anything and a combination of the two or the three so what it's going to do is there's over a million wireless access points that they have tapped for this okay including you can use your own home access point so let's say i'm at home right and i don't have strong cell service but i have good wi-fi it'll use that and then if i leave the house on a call it'll seamlessly transfer over to whatever either the, the sprint or the t-mobile network in this google fi scenario wow so, the other nice thing about this is, people are complaining about prices for, for wireless contracts these days, right? Because right. they are overpriced. But, the way that they're doing this pricing structure here, is you pay a base 20 bucks just to get access with voice. Alright. And then you pay $10 per gigabyte after that. So, let's say you pay 20 bucks extra, get you 2 gigabytes. Right. You only use a gig. Right. 
they pay you back the ten dollars that you didn't spend. I like that part because. <laughs> <laughs> so I like I like it too because I like it better than rollover because that's right. the kind of thing where they're like oh rollover minutes and things like that you never really use no. those anyway they, they, never just, catch they, they just crew unless you have one month where you're like always on the phone for some reason and it's just you haven't run just to use them and then by the end of your contract you lose them exactly. it's like vacation days at the end of the year yeah they're just gone <laughs> they go away but this I mean they, it's an actual tangible benefit because they they okay I paid for five gigabytes I paid the fifty bucks mm-hmm. I only used two they give me thirty bucks back. That sounds pretty good. So I mean, viable. yeah, I, it's it's coming out now. You can go to uh, fi.google.com and request an invite to the program. Uh, currently, though, it's not available on like iPhones. It's on Google Nexus okay. uh, Six, I think it is. Yeah, they got to get iPhones. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, this makes sense for a Google phone to right. be the first to get it. I right. synergy, obviously, but um, I'm I'm looking forward to how this rolls out because honestly, this is a game changer if it happens. Google has proven it in the past. They can affect change. They have Google Fiber service and all these other places that are having to beef up their structure now. And a lot of these other ISPs are having to beef up theirs because of Google Fiber. Your IT guru, uh, this is coming out. (laughs) (laughs) I may be spewing who knows what to people who are listening right now, but I don't know. But I just wanted to bring that up because that was a really cool piece of of Mm. technology that's been announced. um, That if it's behind Google, they have the money to finance whatever they want. So it should be fine. Um, you know, when the Apple phone, iPhone came out, Apple was going to do something similar to this. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. So they were going to do their own kind of network of things, and uh, but they just figured they can make a billion dollars by just selling <laughs> phones anyway. Why bother with the network? So um, just a you know another one little bit of news is these Netflix movies that you that you may may or may not have known. Netflix cycles out movies monthly. It seems that's right. So. They're going to add some movies and remove some movies soon. What, what's going to be happening there? And they keep them on for, it could be six months, could be a year, could be three months. It varies by movie to movie. So mm-hmm. in terms of you know some Netflix movies that are leaving uh, at the end of April, which is only a few days away. And this is required watching, right? Well, some of the, you know, they're recommended. I mean, some of these are ones that some people really love. I, I like all of these. Uh, there's a couple that are must-sees one last time if you don't already own them. So there's, there's a classic, 1966 66, think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fantastic Voyage, which is Isaac Asimov uh, book turned into a movie. Now, is that the inspiration of the song, Fantastic Voyage? I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so these are people shrunk into uh, microscopic size, much like the Ant-Man movie, uh-huh. uh, and going to somebody's bloodstream to try and save them. So I've seen, I don't think I've seen this Fantastic Voyage, but I've seen something similar in the past. Right. This must be a story that has been adapted and copied. Copy. For lack of better words. Yep. In, in in a lot of different formats. Because I remember seeing stuff like this. Remember the Magic School Bus? Yes. I mean, when I was a kid, <laughs> Magic School Bus was a big thing. It, you know, could go in space and whatever. Could shrink down and go into your bloodstream. So, that's, I mean, I'm that's sure... That's right. I'm sure they stole the idea from that. Exactly. And this stars Raquel Welch in a skin-tight bodysuit. So... I don't know You probably don't is. even know. That is so sad. <laughs> so sad. Older listeners, you will agree, I'm sure. <laughs> So, real quick, uh, a few other uh, movies that are leaving in a few days on uh, Netflix. Knight's Tale from 2001. Airplane and Airplane 2 from the early 80s. No, real quick, a Knight's Tale. Fantastic movie starring Heath Ledger. Right. Um, and He's... I think Paul Bettany is also in that. Yeah, I think it was his first big movie. Bettany? Or uh, Ledger? Ledger. Could be. I think. Um, so, obviously, we, we all know Heath Ledger as the Dark Knight's uh, the Joker. So, if you liked his performance in there, he had a really good performance for this movie. And I know... 
this may be an easy sell for some significant others to watch too because it's a romantic <laughs> story. That's true. So I would definitely recommend checking out A Knight's Tale before it leaves Netflix. But sorry, continue. So, uh, Airplane and Airplane 2 from 1980-82. Don't call me Shirley. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great That was a great movie, especially the first one. Mm-hmm. Robocop, the original from 87. 87. Yep. Paul Wellers. Which was written by uh, Frank Miller. That was written the, by Frank Miller? The screenwriter. He didn't write the original oh. story, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Romancing the Stone from 84, which is really... And Death of the Nile... And Jewel of the Nile. Which is an Indiana Jones knockoff. But it's my wife's... Some of her two favorite movies that you'll watch over and over again. Is it because of the main actor? I forget his name. Um, uh, it's not Martin it Sheen. It doesn't help. It's in, um, but he's related to Martin Sheen. Yeah. Uh, Michael Douglas. Yeah. No, is it? No? Right? I don't know. Anyway. I'll look it up. But anyway, Google it. You, yeah, those are <laughs> that's right. But those are good movies. Uh, and then finally, of course, Skyfall. That's leaving. It's leaving. Ah, uh, yeah. If you, have, you know, if you haven't seen own Skyfall, it? come on, who doesn't own it? <laughs> I have it. It's on my phone. It's right. that's just fantastic. Right. And then uh, Netflix. You know, the movie's coming in in May. I looked through the list. Uh, there's only one that I thought was wonderful, which is Inglorious Bastards. I haven't seen that. That is a great movie. <laughs> now that's the movie with. Um, Brad Married to Angelina Jolie, yeah, Brad Pitt. Right, you gonna go kill some Nazis? Yes, it was it was a great movie. And then Legally Blonde, which my wife really liked. <laughs> it was entertaining. It's funny. Mm-hmm. So I, once in my lifetime is enough. But <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there a sequel to that? Legally Blonde Two, which was filmed in Springfield, Illinois, not oh, really? far from where we reside. Ah, that's right. So I never saw that. I never saw that one either. I don't think, but I knew that there was a sequel. I can't remember what it was though. But that I didn't know it was filmed in Springfield. Yes. Now, Springfield, for those of you who don't know, is in Illinois and is actually the capital. The capital of Illinois is not Chicago. Mm-hmm. So the, the capital of Illinois okay. is actually Springfield, and that's where you may have heard of Abraham Lincoln. He was actually from Springfield, Illinois. One of the places he was from. That's true. Yeah. But that's where his law office was. Yes. Well, he also practiced in uh, Metamora at the courthouse. Not far from where I live, too. And the display there, by the way, for those locals, uh, this is the last weekend. No, this weekend and next weekend are the last weekend there's going to be a Lincoln uh, exhibition at the courthouse in Metamora. Cool. Have you been there? I haven't been there. But unfortunately, I'm not going to make it this weekend. (laughs) i got a busy weekend. All right, all right. All right. Uh, One last thing that I just saw right before we went to air was that Frank Miller announced that oh, there is going is to be a, a third Dark Knight a graphic novel collection yes. or series. So he, he and, well, first of all, for those who don't know, uh, back in 1986, way back then, he came out with Dark Knight Returns. And uh, that was actually, uh, that was happened to be the year that I was married. The fourth and final issue came out uh, three days before my wedding. I had, of course, collected all four beforehand, not read any of them, and brought them on my honeymoon <laughs> to read. I'm sure your wife was ecstatic about this choice. She was, you know, she came first, she was in first, but, you know, Dark Knight was a second priority. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you said that you, you, you waited to read all of them until they were all out. Yes. Deferred gratification. I, <laughs> I could not do that. Well, there, there is no way. There you go. I mean, I, if I know there's an issue that I want to read and I want the story, and from a, from a person like Frank Miller who has proved now at this time, what had Frank Miller done? He was a superstar. He had done Daredevil. Okay. 
So I don't know if this was before or after Daredevil. He had done Daredevil. He had done. I think he did his first three hundred. Uh, or, or no, I'm sorry, Sin City series. I don't think he had done three hundred yet. Okay. But everything he had done was stellar so far. Then that can that's not the case anymore. <laughs> so segueing into Dark Knight Strikes Again of two thousand one, which was not <sighs> uh, nearly as good. Uh, that was a bummer. Honestly, it was a bummer. And so the next one, Dark Knight Three: The Master Race. <laughs> Comes out uh, this fall. It's eight issues. I am happy to report that it's co-written by Brian Azzarello, uh, who wrote 100 Bullets, the recent Wonder Woman uh, run, and uh, the Joker one-shot, all of which were wonderful. Uh, and so I'm hopeful that it's going to be better <laughs> than Dark Knight Strikes Again. Okay. We shall see. And if you haven't seen the tweet, I mean, so I looked at Frank Miller's tweets, and this was his first tweet since 2011. Oh, when he was rampaging against the uh, <laughs> the, the uh, movement against, uh, what was it called, that, that Occupy movement. Oh, the Occupy Wall Street thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I didn't read, read his tweets, I just saw, I just saw the oh. dates of them. Yeah. Um, so this is his first tweet since 2011, and in his tweet that he tweeted today, five hours ago as we record this on Friday, he says, I hope that by now my silence is deafening. <laughs> so... He, he tweeted that out with a, an image of, it looks like, what he's thinking of for the cover for the, the Master Race. Right. And that's going to be out in fall, this fall, 2015. Right. So. It's interesting. You cannot tell from that image of the Batman over the a, a bloody Superman uh, symbol, you know, is that really Bruce Wayne under, under that costume? It might not be. Yeah. I mean, at that point, with... Being after the Dark Knight Returns and after in the Dark Knight Returns he was an old man. I yes. mean, plain he stuff. was. So I think he was like fifty-five. Yeah, I mean, how how <laughs> much <age>. longer? <laughs> how much longer could an ordinary man put on a put on a cape and cowl and go fight crime? Right. <laughs> I mean, it looks maybe that just looking at this image, you know, the the initial impact that I get is that maybe something happened to Superman, maybe somebody killed Superman. And the detective goes to figure it out. I like that. Because, I mean, at, at heart, Batman's a detective. We, we often yeah. forget that, don't we? Right. But it is Detective Comics that yes. he stars in as well as Batman. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, and I always love this in um, uh, in the comics, that Raj, Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul, however you want to pronounce it, he always called him the detective. That's true. So that's one one thing that we always happen to forget because you look at the new movies, the most recent movies anyway, with Christian Bale. Right. How much detecting <laughs> did he do? Not much detecting. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I'm I'm curious. So I'm really curious about this new movie that's coming out. So it, the trailer dropped last week, mm-hmm. and I would like to see what did you think about the trailer? I thought it was very dark. Yeah. I mean, it's very much based, obviously, on Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which was so how. The the suit, the suits I right. should say plural, uh, his his mechanical suit and his actual uh, cloth suit, straight out of the Dark Knight Returns. Right, and they're huge. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. I actually was disappointed that we didn't have a Man of Steel movie in between to further develop the character because the first Man of Steel I was not thrilled by. I, I understand it was you know an initial run and probably uh, that there should be another Man of Steel to kind of flesh out the character. I wish there had been that, but there wasn't. Yeah, it'd be kind of nice to see if we can get another Man of Steel movie individually, but it's hard. To, it's hard to with the Man of Steel the reception that it got. Right. Tell me this: what 
What did you think of the Man of Steel? Why why did you not really like it very much? I did well. I didn't like the final scene. I didn't like the destruction of Metropolis, killing millions while he's involved in a personal battle. Mm-hmm. He should have taken that fight in somewhere else, over the ocean, in the desert. So, I mean, out you look in at the space. Christopher Reeve one when he fought Zod. He's like, no, the people. When he's locked at the bus, you know. Right. In this one, he's like, oh, the building. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's a building. There's probably people so, out there. Whatever. It's really just the last twenty minutes. I mean, the rest of it, there were a lot of good scenes. That wasn't more than twenty minutes, though. That fight. Well, went whatever on that. Hours. However, that fight lasted. Uh, and then you know, the only people, seemed seemingly the only people to survive were the people that he liked, or the people who are going to become important in his life. You know, conveniently, I'll say, Perry right. Mason. Right. And I, it's just like it Perry was just Mason. so convenient. Right. So I'm kind of worried about the Batman v Superman movie, honestly, a little bit, because not just because of that, but also because of Zack Snyder and his his vision just a little bit. Yeah, the trailer looked heavy. It's very heavy. I don't think there's going to be a lot of humor in it. It's not very much. It's not a Marvel movie. No, at all. I think I said this last week. It doesn't need to be a Marvel movie. Not no. every movie needs to be that the same. You can have dark comics. There, there are dark comics, and that's the great thing about mm-hmm. comic books is you have light, and you have the dark, and you have the heavy, and the light. I mean, you look at Deadpool. <laughs> He's a hell of a mix of everything. Depends yeah. on what day you catch him. <laughs> but uh, you look at uh, something like Spider-Man. He's typically on the lighter side. Right. But then you look at someone like Iron Man in the Demon in the Bottle storyline, something like that, it's a little bit heavier. So... You the wide range that you can get in comic books, you can have a wide range of movies as well. They don't always have to be like Ant-Man or Iron Man or whatever, kind of light and fluffy. They can be Punisher. They can be Now you're assuming Ant-Man is going to be light and fluffy. You don't know that. <laughs> I'm yeah. just thinking Paul, everybody, Paul everybody, Rudd as <laughs> Ant-Man, though. I mean, what are you going to get? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but that's kind of just a rundown of, of the news for this week. However, I did want to go over... This is the last podcast for April 2015. So, as we like to do, we'll run down some of the releases for um, May. And we'll just kind of get a, give our initial reactions. So, Friday, May 1st. There's one movie that I'm actually going to see. But I'm going to see it the day before in Chicago at the Navy Pier IMAX. And that's Wait. Avengers Age of Ultron. That will be wonderful. I hope. I hope too. It should be. Um... Oh, the reviews are coming out now. It's it's launched overseas. Um, if you're listening to this before Avengers Day of Ultron, stay after the credits, obviously. Um, there's always going to be something that worthwhile after credits of the Marvel right. movie. So, um, I'm thinking, I mean, that, that movie's probably tracking to to break box office records. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the Furious 7 movie that just came out, astounding numbers, right? I think people are ready to go see a movie. Because before Furious 7, I hadn't been to the theater, I think, at all this year. And this is the next movie of the summer. No, except for a couple of dramas. I mean, like The Theory of Everything. Theory of Everything. Um, and then The Imitation Game. Right. Was also, I think, this year. Right. But it's been a lot. You know, they, they saved them for the summer. Mm-hmm. This is the first one. Yeah. So this is going to get a lot of people in the in the theaters to see it multiple times, probably. Uh, in my case, I'm sure I'll see it five times. That's unbelievable. You saw <laughs> Avengers five times. Oh, uh, Guardians. Guardians five I saw, times. I saw Avengers. I think crazy. I think four. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, may have been five. Who knows? Yeah. I've seen it many times now since it's been released. But um, so moving on into Friday, May eighth, you have Hot Pursuit, which is a movie with Sandra Bullock, I believe. 
Or oh, really? let me see here. Let's see if we can get some more detail on this one. Well, she was surprisingly good in Gravity. I mean, she was really good. Uh, yeah, she was good in Gravity. That's right. Yeah. And that was one of the few movies that I thought was worthwhile seeing in 3D. Very few. And I wish I had seen, now that in retrospect, I wish I had seen Guardians of the Galaxy in 3D. Guardians was amazing in 3D. I think 3D is good for space because you have a close perspective and a very far away perspective. And you have other things that are just happening in space. Yeah. I mean, space. So. Star Wars is going to be in 3D, I believe, too, in December. Mm. So, I don't know if it, it's probably going to be a post-conversion job, but it'll be yeah. interesting to see what they do. Um, so, this movie, not, not Sandra Bullock. Did I say Sandra Bullock? I think I did. You did. Se, uh, Reith Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. Oh, okay. And Sophia Vergara. Vergara. Oh, from Modern Family. Yeah. So, those are going to be the, the marquee characters in this movie. Um, looks like it's a, a comedy of sorts. So. Female, uh, female buddy movie. Yeah. Female yeah. buddy cop movie. We, we just had one of those. Which one was that? Oh, the one about the, uh, oh, what was that one? The comedy. Um, I forget the name of it, but, but yeah, I mean, it was, I never saw it, so I didn't either. But we just had one, before, yeah. I think, for, um, and then for for May eighth, I think it's going to be, the Avengers, obviously, box of first, yeah, still, <laughs> still uh, be going. Um, so continuing on to May fifteenth. Oh, here we go. Mad are. Max Fury, yes, Road. Fury Road. Now it's been a long time since I've seen the Mad Max movies. It's true. Um, are there two? There are three. There's three. Okay. Mad Max, Mad Max Two, Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome. Okay. Yeah. And they're all Gibson film uh, movies. Oh yeah. Now oh, with yeah. with this one, is it's Tom Hardy is the main character. Is he playing the character that Gibson played? I don't know. I assume. I haven't read much about this. Now Mad Max, by the way, was a you know, it was a decent movie. It was Mad Max Two. It was really the kick-ass movie of the trilogy. Okay. And Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome was a little over the top. But it was entertaining. Now, wasn't the first Mad Max just about him getting gas from one location to the other? Yeah, it was... Yeah, wasn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> it was entertaining. Uh-huh. So... Especially back then. There was a uh, scarcity of great movies back then. Well, the it's true. 80s. I mean, we're living <laughs> in a golden age of movies and of TV. I mean, the TV that yes. we have right now available is just fantastic. It's an embarrassment of riches. Yes. Um, and then, other, also that week, is Pitch Perfect 2. So... I never I'll, saw Pitch Perfect 1. I didn't either. So I'll be passing on this. I won't see it in the theaters. I might not even see it ever. So, continuing on to May 22nd. Oh, that week, though. Uh, Mad Max may give Avengers a run for its money, but I think that Avengers is still going to be probably yeah. king that week. Um, May 22nd, you've got Tomorrowland, which is... Sounds like a theme park. A movie based on a Disney theme park. It's literally what it is. So... Um, I've seen the trailer, and then the trailer, uh, George Clooney's in it, oh. and I don't, don't really know much of the, the plot of it, or what it's actually going to be about, but it's, uh, this girl gets this token, and then she's transported into this other kind of world. Oh. So, it looks well. looks interesting, looks intriguing, I think that um, that will probably take a lot of Avengers market share that week, and possibly could topple Avengers, but it'll still be a close race between that and uh, the Avengers. And another movie coming out is called Spy. And that's got Melissa McCarthy and Jason Statham. And Melissa McCarthy was in, was in the other uh, buddy... And uh, Sandra Bullock. That's what it yes, was. Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock. Um, but this one, I mean... And you got Jude Law in this one, too. I don't know. I, I'm not going to see this one in theaters for sure. Yeah. I don't see many comedies in theaters, honestly. I usually just reserve it for the big movies, like, like I agree. You know, action stuff. Right. Um, or a good drama movie or something like that. 
So I, I doubt this will really move many uh, tickets. Um, but then if you go on to the next month, which I actually just closed down my documents, which I shouldn't have done that. Gotta love live radio, folks. Now, in Tomorrowland, I note, as I go on uh, IMDb, uh, that you, Lori, of House fame, is in that as well as George Clooney. Oh, okay. So that's like pretty he, good. Lori, he was excellent in House. That's one series I never watched. Oh. Not a big medical show guy. It was more about the drama of House. Okay. His character. I mean, there, yeah, there were the weekly, what's wrong with this person type scenario, but... Right. His character progression through the series was really good. Okay. I, I was compared by uh, somebody at my company in what she thought was a favorable way, and I don't know because I don't watch House, to House. I, I, I don't, don't see That's really it. true. Okay. I, don't, <laughs> I don't see that. Um, so then rounding out May, on May 29th, San Andreas 3D. Oh, that sounds bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it says 3D in the title. So yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine that being very great. Stars but, Dwayne Johnson. I mean, it stars The Rock. So, I mean, people will see it because The Rock sells tickets right now. Right. But, I mean, he's been in just as many flops as he has been good movies. I mean, you look at Journey to the Center of the Earth and things like that that he's been in that didn't really take off. Right. Um, it's set after a devastating earthquake hits California. A rugged, <laughs> a rugged, rugged rescue. rescue helicopter pilot makes a perilous... <laughs> Trip across the state to rescue his estranged daughter. That sounds like that uh, Taken, those Taken movies. <laughs> it's Taken in a helicopter. <laughs> so it's it's categorized as action, 3D, and disaster. But literally, uh, it's it's a 3D disaster movie. I mean, honestly, that might might be worth seeing in the theater if it gets decent reviews. But right. just the plot alone, and there's nobody else in this cast list that I've seen. Yeah, particularly if the 3D gets a good review. Yeah. Which, I mean, I've seen movies that are 3D that are supposed to be really good, but aren't. Uh, but if the 3D gets good, movie, it might be worth going to see. And then Aloha is another movie coming out that with Emma Stone and Bradley oh. Cooper. Rachel McAdams as well. And oh, Alec Baldwin. Well, that, that sounds good so far. Yeah, so it's actually got a good cast. So it's a romantic movie, so um, I know my, my wife may be more intrigued by this one. Mine as well. But uh, set in Hawaii... Um, and honestly, this movie will outperform San Andreas for, <laughs> for that weekend of release. Yeah. But I still think Avengers will be up in the top echelon. Um, it may be three by the, by the time this week rolls around because it's the last week of May. Yeah, I don't see it lasting number one spot for for all for, weeks for a whole month. Yeah, if it does, I mean, it'll be oh. crazy box office. But Star Wars could do that because Star Wars yes. is coming out at the end of the year, and then they'll have the whole month of January where nothing else is going to release. So. And those fans are dedicated. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> As we sit here in front of a microphone that looks eerily like a, a Death Star. A Death by the way. Star. Is that a coincidence? Mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the movies coming out uh, that are the the marquee movies for the month of March or May. Sorry. I've, as we've been sitting here, uh, folks, I've been drinking my favorite beer, the St. Bernardus Apt ABT-12. Um, this is a Belgian quadruple. This is my favorite beer. If you see this beer, try it. It's, it's a little pricey. Uh, it's about 22 or 23 bucks for a four pack. Wow. But it is worth it. It is delicious. Wow. I feel honored that you brought it. <laughs> hey, if, if, if I do a podcast in person with someone, if I go to their house, I'm bringing something good. So 
It may not be my my wits or my banter, but it'll definitely be beer. <laughs> I thought you got this out of the uh, Kroger out of stock section. <laughs> if this was in the clearance <laughs> section in Kroger, yeah. uh, but no. But uh, it's this beer, by the way. If you like it, it's uh, it's very so good. good. I I it quite enjoy it. As I take another sip. So that's it for the news for this week that we have to cover. So now, Don, are you ready? Are you ready to continue on in our Marvel collection with Captain America, the Winter Soldier? I don't know. Are we going to be doing the uh, lineup of best to worst before or after? We can do it after. Okay. Or for, right. which way. would you prefer? I can do either. Because actually, if I if I do it now, it might actually be better for me to talk about it because I don't, I don't have to kind of keep it toward the end. I'd like to do it now. Okay. I'll do mine first, and then I'll let you do yours because right. you can give me your entire list. I will. I have it. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, of the released Marvel movies. Starting from worst to first. In the bottom, Thor the Dark World. Ugh. Incredible Hulk. Thor. Iron Man 3. Captain America. Iron Man 2. Iron Man. And how is where we get to the interesting part? The Avengers. Guardians of the Galaxy. And number one. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I am surprised by that. I thought for sure you're going to have uh, Guardians on top. It, we'll, we'll talk about the reasons why this is on the top of my list, but Don, All right. yours. I 100% agree that Thor the Dark World is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have next the next Thor movie. Uh huh. Then I have Hulk, so I switch spots uh, with you. Okay. Now, we, our Iron Man are totally out of sync. My, <laughs> next, my next worst is Iron Man 2. Then, and this is really not a pejorative statement when I say the next in the category, I won't say worst, next next in the category is Iron Man 1, which I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. But the next after that is Captain America 1, then Iron Man 3, which is my favorite Iron Man movie. Really? Yes. That's, that's really, a very divisive statement. I know. Okay. <laughs> Fair to defend it. Uh, next is Guardians, uh, then Avengers, then a Captain America, The Winter Soldier, which I find to be the finest movie to date. It, I think it might be, I'd have to think about this a little more, it might be my favorite superhero movie ever. It's, I don't know, I have to throw Superman in so, there and think about it. And we haven't talked about, you know, the Dark Knight movies and the other, you know, the Christopher Reeve Superman or anything like that, but for me, in, in my top tier of superhero movies, let's say my top three, right, it's probably going to be, and I have to go back and re-watch these, honestly. But Spider-Man 2, I think, mm -hmm. is up there. Um, then, obviously, Captain America, and then The Dark Knight. Right. Those are probably my top three. I have to throw... I agree with that. I have to throw Superman in there, too. The original? 77? 76? Probably the original. The first one. Okay. Yeah. No, but, you know, keep in mind, I also have to keep... I also have to... Part of that is nostalgia. I, rec I recognize that. Right. Because I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Back in the day. Okay. So, uh, 
And that was, you know, the first superhero movie, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you'll believe a man could fly. He you really did believe right. he could fly. <laughs> did you really? I mean, you know, it looked good. There were no strings. <laughs> did, did you see Star Wars in theaters? Of course. When it opened? Of course. I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I would love to... to in the summer before it opened, I was the person who had my uh, dorm room festooned with Star Wars article news articles on the wall. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, I, it, you know, I grew up in a world where, you know, special effects were second nature in movies that right. became computer-generated effects. So, and, and now you look at a movie like Guardians, you can hardly tell the difference. Right. Or Captain America, we'll get into this discussion. Um, but I would love to have been in the perspective to be able to go to a movie like Star Wars in 77 in the theater, you know, with other movies that had come up before that and be blown away by what I saw on the screen with, you know, X-Wings flying in space or a Death Star or a guy with a laser sword or whatever you want to do. I mean, that, I would have loved to have been able to see that right without what I've already seen before. Even though I was looking forward to it so much, and I knew it was probably going to be good, my definition of good at that stage was, uh, you know, like, it was better than a TV show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the standards were still pretty low. So when I saw Star Wars, it was amazing. I mean, Star Wars, honestly, and towards the end of the year, we're going to go over all the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. But Star Wars, in a lot of ways, was a game-changing movie. Definitely. It's, uh, it pioneered special effects. And if you look at... I think, you know, Indiana Jones movies started to come out after that, which they, also by Lucasfilm, had great special effects with them as well. And then as things progressed, you got movies that had good special effects and movies that tried to have good special effects. Right. And just wasn't perfected, honestly, until the 90s. Right. So. Early. And those are primitive mm-hmm. special effects. That's right. Yeah. Real quick aside. First Indiana Jones movie. When did I see it? I saw it at Notre Dame University with a priest. The night before I took my loss, my LSAT exam for my uh, for my test, so, so it was very relaxing. It was a great way to relax before taking a test. <laughs> <laughs> so you saw it with a priest. What do you think of the Ark of the Covenant? It was great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he really enjoyed it. Too. Yeah. And then afterwards, we went back to Notre Dame to his, and we had a drink. <laughs> That's the best way to end night, any night is with a drink. So, are you ready to talk about the Winter Soldier? I'm ready. Don, tell me what it is about this movie that puts it up in the top for you. All right. I think the first thing, the main thing it has that the other movies lack to such a degree is that Captain America in this movie becomes the moral center and leader of the Marvel Universe, which is why both in the comics and in the, in the movies from this point forward, he is the leader of the Avengers. He is the leader of the superheroes. Uh, you look at the arc of him in this movie, you know, he's the guy that is true to himself. He's not going to just follow orders. He's going to do the right thing. You can count on Captain America to do the right thing mm-hmm. in this movie. Well, that kind of started to show in the Avengers. I mean, right. well, in, in Captain America, the first Avenger, that right. showed too. But definitely when he was, you know, juxtaposed against Iron Man. Right. Or something like that, who was just doing his own thing to get his information. And being smarmy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> About it. Um, but I mean, you put him against a character like, uh, Tony Stark, right? They're polar opposites and this will come to play later on. Um, Civil War, right. And yeah, in this movie, he, he solidifies himself as an all around good guy, but I'm sorry. I, 
continue. No, I'm that. I mean, that's that's the main thing for me. But the, the, all, there's lots of other little things. There's you, you look back. This is a movie that deserves to be watched several times mm-hmm. because there's all kinds of foreshadowing in it uh, throughout the movie. There's lots of little touches, whether it's humor, whether it's relation back to some of the comic book history, um, and there's you know there's some great action scenes, incredible action scenes uh, that are pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, great use of the shield. Oh yeah, I love the shield. <laughs> What did you think of the Leaper? The Batrotter Leaper. Batrotter Leaper was really great. I mean, how was that? He, he is in the comics. He comes across as, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a foe, but he's you know he's played for laughs. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I mean, how did how did he make it into a Marvel movie before I don't know a bigger villain? Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think his fighting style. They they convincingly came come around with a fighting style that is based on kicking. Mm-hmm. Which is you know that, that's tough to do. <laughs> that make that that makes it look good. I'm uh-huh. serious. So uh, he's a good guy. I mean, he's a good character. We had Crossbones too, but yes, kinda. Crossbones was there from the very start. He mm-hmm. was there in the first couple minutes of the movie on mm-hmm. that first mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the end, when he takes off his well, we're getting ahead. But when he takes off his uh, jacket and you have the big X crossing, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So. So, what what else about this movie make it make it stand out? Well, I don't know if you want to go through you know chronologically or so or talk about. I have certain you know moments that I really thought were the the, the moments that that brought it out. Go go however you want to do it because as as our as our listeners know, this is a spoiler conversation. Obviously, true. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, you've most likely already seen Captain America, so we don't really need to go over what happened in the movie. Um, but obviously there are standout moments in the movie right. that affect not only your opinion of the movie, but also the whole Marvel Universe as we know it now. Right. So, before I go on about what I can... Because I can just talk about this movie for a long time. <laughs> right. Go ahead and, and, and go over everything that you wanted to cover. Now, I'll chime in here and there. Okay, well, you think about Captain America, and, you know, the contrast in this movie is obviously, you know, this contrast with Hydra. Okay, that's the easy one. Mm-hmm. But it's also a contrast with Nick Fury. The first time you see Nick Fury, they're having a conversation, and he's showing him, you know, the new helicarriers, mm-hmm. and they can shoot, you know, a thousand, a thousand hostiles per minute, mm-hmm. however you define hostiles, and uh, and Captain America is not pleased with this. He's not happy. And you know, Nick Fury's Nick Fury is uh, is saying, well, you know, we need to do this. Captain America says, what about justice? Shouldn't there be punishment? After you have a trial. Mm-hmm. And Nick Fury's response is, you know, you can't afford to wait that long. And what does Captain America say? This isn't freedom. This is fear. So they're right. on opposite sides. Mm-hmm. And then later on, after, you know, when they get right before the big uh, climax, when Nick and Nick and him are together, Nick survived the, the shot that allegedly took him out. Um, Captain America says, you know what? We're going to take down S.H.I.E.L.D. It's all going down. Because mm-hmm. it has a rotten core to begin with. And Nick says... Looks like you're in charge, Captain America. Mm-hmm. You, know, you give the orders now. Mm-hmm. That's deferring to him. He's the one with the moral center. Yep. Uh, and then that carries through with the whole relationship with Winter Soldier. I mean, he's the only one who believed that he could redeem him. And you look at that. So that fight at the end with between Cap and Bucky, right? Right. I I I, I have a hard. I always call him Bucky. I, I never really call I, I him do too. <laughs> um, yeah. But that that fight at the end is just so heart wrenching. Right. I mean, there there are a lot of emotional pulls in this movie that are actually good pulls, I and mean, they aren't. Yeah, they're 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 done for 
to obviously get the reaction from the audience to get the buy-in between this fight, you know, between Cap and Bucky, and also one of the biggest emotional parts of this movie was when he visited Peggy. Right. Right. And Peggy, you know, Peggy gave, gave him a little direction, too. I I have a my little notes throughout the movie. <laughs> I don't have a perfect memory. But, you know, Peggy, uh, Captain America says, you know, I can't just serve by following orders. That's what Nick mm-hmm. wants him to do. Mm-hmm. That'd be the, you know, be the great employee, serve by following orders. But uh, Peggy kind of puts him back. I don't think he needed, he, he needed this. Captain America doesn't need this. But it kind of serves to point it out. And she said, all we do is our best, and sometimes the best we can do is start over. Mm-hmm. And that's what he does with, with S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. Tears it down and starts over from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole, the whole reveal with Hydra. Yeah, that was pretty shocking. I mean, so, you know, and I try to do this now more often because of this movie, honestly, is kind of go in knowing as little as I can about a film. Because I, I, the saturization of promoting movies at this point gets so high that you can know most of the plot and most of all the revelations before you go in the movie. So does that mean before you went in you knew? No. Because I avoided, I avoided trailers. So, so I avoided it. So because, because I knew that this had to be... Uh, you know, a Marvel movie, and I've started just to try to limit my exposure to them. Like with Avengers right now, it's it's you can go out and watch half the movie it seems <laughs> on on trailers and yeah. TV spots. Yeah. So the reveal that they had here, and I know people probably who who were astute, you know, perusers of the internet knew what was going to happen, but I went into it and I was able to be surprised. Right, I was too. Because I thought, I mean, I thought they were thinking of the past. I mean, historically, I don't, I don't, I try to avoid trailers usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I certainly avoid any news items. I want to be, I, I, when I see reviews, I just look and see how many stars I got. Right. That's it. Scroll down and see the stars, <laughs> see the number. Yep. That's right. So it was, it was a great movie. Now I do have to, you know, throw in my little pitch for uh, uh, comic trivia, which mm. is probably a total coincidence. But let me just point out. That uh, in the early in the show, when uh, Nick Fury's attacked, he goes to Captain America's apartment, um, and uh, Agent Carter, Agent 13, reveals herself. That's not Carter. Well, in the comics it is. In the comics, she's Sharon Carter. But, okay, oh, Agent okay. 13. Agent 13 reveals herself to did be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Name? No, they didn't. They just no, called they her, did. They called her Kate, I thought. I don't know. Black Widow, when he were talking, and I thought they revealed it, like, you should call the nurse. Or they, the, they nurse. Call the nurse. Later they called her Kate. Oh, it was a Kate. Okay. It's a totally different name. But anyway, okay. Agent 13. They revealed Agent 13 is his next door neighbor posing. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, you know, a few minutes later, uh, we have the big fight. Nick Fury dies. So, you know, they call the time at 1.03 a.m. Uh-huh. So just to see if there's any anything. I looked at Captain America issue 103. Uh-huh. And that was the issue in which Agent 13's identity was revealed. Huh. Coincidence? I don't know. <laughs> interesting I like it it probably was a coincidence <laughs> but I thought it was interesting very cool so you know you're probably <laughs> the only person that's done that like, I know it really works. I'm pretty sure there's others <laughs> well so so Agent 13 in the comic book then is she a daughter she's the great niece great niece okay right okay interesting and then the other thing I liked was, you know, you look at Captain America's relationship with the Black Widow, you know, Scarlett Johansson in that movie. They were buddy-buddy in this movie. They were buddies. And, you know, if it was a different 
if he was a different person, it would have gone in a different direction, which she would not probably have allowed. But still, right. well, I'm, because of, because he's the person he is, that's why they have the relationship they have. Like she would not have this relationship with Tony, no, or with Bruce for that matter. But like, you think about the, the conversation they had in the car on the way to the uh, to find out, you know, where this Hydra signal was coming from, mm-hmm. and she's talking about is this your first kiss since that, you know, since nineteen forty five? Yeah, nineteen forty five. You know. Other people would have said, you know, oh yeah, it was, and it was great, and you uh-huh. know, let's go. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he, and you know, he he says, you know, all I really want is a friend. Right. Right. And later on, when she says, you know, how can you trust, you know, can you trust me? And he says, you know, now I can. Yeah. And I always am honest. He's that guy you can rely on. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 from a different generation. Right. I mean, you look at a character like. Uh, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, right? And when they're trying to get away from the the Hydra agents, they she's like, you know, put your arm around me, right? And then you know, laugh at something I said. Then people will look away, kiss me, like what? <laughs> and then he's like, it makes people uncomfortable, like yeah, right. So, and then she's like, are you uncomfortable? Like I wouldn't call it that. <laughs> but um, you can see just the, the generational gap there, even though he. He looks like he's, you know... The same uh, age. Yeah. yeah. It, he was raised in a different time period, and that just comes through, and just... I don't know... It's hard to really put into perspective if a different actor was in the role, right? Yeah, he, he was looked, shockingly good. He was so yeah. good. Right. I mean, I I try to think of, you know, somebody who's who could play this role both in a modern setting, mm-hmm. but with those those older... You know, morals. Right. Say. I can't really think of one. I mean, he, right. I, and maybe just because he's the only person that's in this role, and that's who I know of. But it's really something. I mean, he, he has the look of a, of a modern character in this, but he has he's so able to portray those the the morals of the forties. Yeah, and maybe because you know I was thinking of him anyway, but you know Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could see him in that in that kind of role. He doesn't have the physique for you know physique for it, but. Other than that, oh, he could. I mean, yeah, he could bulk up. In the Bourne movies, I think he was pretty ripped too. He was. He was good. But, <laughs> but, but the other thing is, you think about, you know, last thing that Nick told him was trust no one. Mm-hmm. Who's the next person he encounters after the Winter Soldier? Right. Was uh, Alexander Pierce hmm. and Alexander Robert Redford. Robert Redford, the biggest name from a film point of view right. in a Marvel movie yet. By the way, that's true. He, I mean, he's the founder of the Sundance Film Festivals. Yeah, usually they don't go with big names. You're right. Well, I mean, usually. Big names stray away right. from any sort of comic book movie because it's beneath them. Right. I mean, Robert Redford, how they got him in this movie, he must have seen the script and realized it was really good to, to want to join in. But, I mean, we also had, uh, is it was it Glenn Close in the in, in Guardians? Guardians. So, I mean, yeah. you had Glenn Close, who is a good actress as well. He's a great actress. But Robert yeah. Redford, he is the epitome of the Hollywood actor. He is. And the fact uh, that, that he was a Hollywood actor with standards, right, right, <laughs> right, of, of that era, right. So, I mean, this is a guy that I was honestly surprised to see that mm-hmm. he would sign on for this role, and the fact that he was a bad guy. Robert right. Redford is never a bad guy. That's true, actually. Uh, yeah, he's usually the hero. Mm-hmm. Although, of course, he was the rhinestone cowboy way back when. Um. <laughs> I, I, I know I, you don't know. I must have missed that one. You missed that one. It wasn't a great. <laughs> was not a great movie. But uh, my point is, you know, he tells him trust no. Uh, Nick tells him trust no one. He next encounters Alexander Pierce, who's like his boss's boss, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, what did Nick tell you? And he, he he says, and he was playing it perfectly. Yeah, the way he acted, 
I mean, the way he was talking to him, like, I'm going to find who did this to my friend. The, oh, so I know. And he played him. He said, like, you know, I, I believe in Nick, my friend. He saved my daughter. Uh-huh. All this story. And who's the next, who's the first person that he trusts, that uh, Captain America trusts, is a black widow. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he, he corrected It took him. a lot to, for him to trust her, though. I mean, he, yeah. put, he put the, the thumb drive in the... In, in the uh, the machine, the vending machine. The vending machine. Right. But and I love that scene where he comes back to get it, and she comes up blowing the bubble. Yeah, was I it, was like, I think it was a double bubble. Oh, <laughs> like, that was so brilliant. That was so good. But he tell, but he tells her. I mean, right off, what you know, what uh, what Nick told him. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he didn't have to do that. But he trusted. Yeah. And, and we, I don't, you think about Black Widow's relationships with her coworkers. And bosses in the past, mm-hmm. you know, she's never had anybody like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was able to fool Loki like a yeah, like nothing in the Avengers. <laughs> That's right. So, and you look at um, you look at the person that Nick trusted. Nick didn't even trust her. No, I mean, he the only person he trusted was uh, Colby Smulders' character Moira Hill. Yeah, Maria Hill. Yeah. Maria or Moira? Maria? I oh it's M A M A R I A. So it's Maria. Okay. Yeah. So that's the only person that he trusts. Right. He calls her, says, I need you in D.C. Three hours. That scene, by the way, with him pulling up. Right. Uh, with, he looks over to the cops like, you want to see my lease or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> and then after sorry. he's assaulted. I love, see, the bits of humor. Mm-hmm. You know, what's operating? Well, the air conditioning is operational. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> air conditioning is fully functional. Right. Um, I continue, I'm going to go... I'm going to extol on that point a little more when we get there, but go okay. ahead. Well, there's a lot, I mean, there's, well, there's, you know, there's so many great points, but uh, you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I'm going to start from the beginning with this movie. We look at the opening scene with him running right. around the mall of D.C. Right. with, um, he becomes Falcon. What's his name? Uh, Sam Wilson. Wilson? Sam Wilson. Wilson, yeah. okay. So he, he's running around him. He's like, on your left. As he's right. going by, on your left. Don't say it. And he goes around. <laughs> so, I mean, it was so good. Then like, we see uh, Wilson there sitting, catching his breath. And he's like, <sighs> and he comes up. He's like, Captain Mer- or Steve Rogers. Like, I kind of figured that part. You must run 13 miles in yeah. 13 minutes or something like that. <laughs> and then, you know, so that relationship starts to build there. That's the first time they meet. And I like I like Anthony Mackie as Falcon. I think he's right. doing a really oh, good job. I think he's a great, great job. So. Okay, I don't want to interrupt, but just real quick, uh-huh. at the end of the movie, you were probably going to say this anyway, but keep in mind, when Cap's in the hospital, Marvin Gaye is playing, uh-huh. the same soundtrack he recommended, and the first thing Cap says is, on your left. Yep, exactly. I love that. I mean, it's, it's a story, it's a bookend, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it was so good. I mean, the Russos, I don't know if, if this is because the Russos directing, mm-hmm. or if it's because of the writing, which I think they also co-wrote. Oh. But, this movie's so good. Anyway, so... And then we get Widow who comes in, right? right? She comes in. She's like, hey, guys, I'm here to... Where's the Smithsonian? Oh, I gotta go pick up a fossil. <laughs> I mean, the wit is so good. It's okay. written so well in such a conversational manner. That's, it's just... It, yeah. it flows and it feels right. You know what Sam Wilson said to her? How are you remember. doing? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Like, how you doing? But it's it's so so good the way it opens... And then we, we find ourselves, you know, we're going on this mission with Cap and Black Widow right. and his team. This is typically what we're to assume what they usually do, right? We got another mission. So they're on the Lumerian Star. Right. And so they come on here, they, they encounter the Leaper and everything. And that scene, the first action scene we see in him, we see him as as Captain America in his prime as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, right? right. Throwing his shield around. 
Yeah. He's throwing a shield around. This is the first. Is this the first time he's throwing a shield around? No, he threw a shield around in Avengers. Movie. Yeah. Uh, well, in the first movie too. Well, he's doing it a lot now, though. Yeah, he's doing a lot more. So, and I can't remember if it was in Avengers or now that he has the magnetic um, thing for his shield. I think it's this movie. This movie. Yeah. But I mean. His his outfit and his costume that he has for this, yeah. I love that outfit for him. I, I agree, so good. Now, did you notice that when you you take a look at all the fight scenes in that on that ship, every person he took down he took down slightly differently. It's really good. I mean, he never took the same person down. He never took somebody down twice the same. He, he didn't punch two people fit the head. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah, I mean the fact that he did that, he was. He went through and cleared the whole ship, pretty much. Yeah. And then the one guy comes in and shoots the guy. He's like, well, you really helpless. Yeah, and you know? Black Widow's just going down shooting people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you got that whole interplay there. Such a good action scene. Great way to really start out and say, this is Cap. Yeah. This is him and his prime. This is what he can do. Um, and the fact that that is really the, the beginning of, I think, the the questions that he's starting to have. So we know Fury's already on to Hydra taking, you know, yeah. figuring this this thing out that something's not right. Well, that quest, the first question they had on the way there was, what is Jasper Sitwell doing on a launch ship? Exactly. Yeah. And that comes into play later too. And I love the when we get to it later uh, between that senator and him. Oh yeah. That little meeting there, and there's like you know, hail Hydra, and yeah. they're going. That became an internet meme like immediately. But uh, <laughs> I always remember this when uh, when I when I think of the hail Hydra thing is. Uh, there's a this this image of Bert and Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> so it has Bert and Ernie like whispering into each other's ear, Hail Hydra. It's so funny. Um, so, but you know, you move on in this movie, and and then you get to the scene where he's showing him, you know, Project Insight. Right. And they're going down. They, you see these three new Hell Carriers that are armed to the gills with these guns. Right. Obviously, Cap. Yeah, I think he's a big fan of guns. Honestly, he's used them, but he's more of a shield guy. I mean. Right. He doesn't really, like he said in Captain America, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to kill anybody. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. He doesn't like bullies. Shield's becoming a bully. True. So obviously he doesn't like this this uh, minority report type. You know, stop things before they happen type scenario because like you know that's not the way things are. You can't do that. So, in Fury tells him the story about his grandfather, right? Right. With his loaded twenty two, how things changed. Right. And you you look at. That story was really appropriate because Captain America was the grandfather at the beginning. Love people. Mm-hmm. Fury is the grandfather at the end. That's a good point. So it was really like yeah. a juxtapose between those two characters mm-hmm. because it was just... It, it was a, an appropriate story that was told in a really great way. That was a great piece of storytelling because it shows like he showed his loaded 22, the things changed... People say, you know, step off, old man, where they used to yeah. say hello. That's how times have changed. And Captain America longs for the old way. But it's also a strategic story. Just like Alexander Pierce's story later on, it's a strategic story to try and get Captain America on his side. Right, and true. Right? So there was a there was a personal motivation beyond the movie motivation, mm-hmm. you know, which I, you know, which, that's what happens. Yep. Yeah. So it was so good. Uh, that story fit right into that scene. And then obviously seeing the helicarriers there. I mean, in the first of in the Avenger movie, I loved the scene where the helicarrier oh, yeah. rises up from the sea. <laughs> and seeing them here, it's just like it took me back to you know the Shield stories where they have hundred yeah. helicarriers. So, but now I guess they only have well now they don't have any. But right, <laughs> who knows? That's right, they don't have any. Oh. Um, but you continue on in this in the story, and it just progresses so naturally. 
So you go from the Helicarrier, and then you go to, I think he's visiting Peggy at that point. Uh, Smithsonian first. Oh, that's right. That yeah. exhibit. How, how? If you didn't see the first Avenger, right. how great of a catch was that? that because you needed that. Like, who is Bucky? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why is he important? Exactly. Like, who are the Howling Commandos? Why? Who is Bucky? Why do you care about this person? Yeah. And it makes sense. If you didn't see Captain America, this catches yeah. you up perfectly. And it also tells you that Amer- Captain America is an American icon. Who do you see? He's a little boy with a Captain America shirt. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows who he is. And did you notice, so the... Uh, the banners that they had there hanging yeah. were like the movie posters pretty much that they had for the first Avenger. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. So it was okay. it was pretty much the same thing, except it didn't say the first Avenger underneath. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so he sees the kid, or the, or the kid sees him, yeah. and he's like, you know, puts his finger up to his mouth, says, right. be quiet. But it's, Chris Evans is perfect. I, I have to say that. He is. I mean, and you think about what he was before, just Human Torch. Mm-hmm. And everybody, he is not. He's the wrong character. And before that, he was in The Losers. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, which is based on a comic. I don't think so. Um, that was pretty good. It was a good movie. He was, he, but he was just the the smart ass bomb guy. Yeah. Uh, so totally different character. But he's a good actor. Yeah. So, so really good. I mean, and by by the time we get to Peggy, when she's sitting there and talking, and she's just, and I think that's Haley Atwell that that played her there in the yes, I think so. And the the fact that so they're they're talking about the way things were the way things are they have this really in depth conversation right and then she must be affected with Alzheimer's at this point must be and then she forgets that he came back right and she says Steve you're you're alive and that reaction oh, yeah. how many times has Steve gone through that probably every time he's seen her mm-hmm. so right it's pretty very sad very sad very and it's very poignant and it's just it's one of those things that you know you you think about Steve. Captain America, he is a man out of time, right? And and time is dying. His his time is his his morality culture is dead, and the people that he cares about and love are dying. See, I don't think he would agree with that. That that morality culture is dead. You know what? He 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 would say at the end of the day, you know what? That morality is still alive. It needs to be preserved. I'll stand for that, even if nobody else will, and I'll be an inspiration. Which also could play into Civil War later because the polar opposite kind of character. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, and with this movie too, I'm just going to, I mean, I could talk about this movie for days. (laughs) But we get to the part with Hydra. Right. And we get the, the, you know, they turn against him in the elevator. Yes. Or after after he talks to Pierce. That was great. And he's like, you know, it was clear he was not going to give Pierce the information exactly. he wanted. Yeah. And so the, everybody piles in this elevator, and he's just like looking around, he's figuring out yeah. whatever's happening. And then he has that quote, like, "Before we get started, does anybody <laughs> want to get out?" Yeah. So, and that little scene in there was really great too. They obviously these shield agents thought, I'm not sorry, these Hydra agents right. thought that they knew how to take Cap down. They've worked in close proximity with him. Yeah. They have the, the they have the tools right. to take him down. They think, and he just levels them. Right. Now, uh, you're a big musical score guy. Yes. You notice the music in that scene? Even I did. I'm a musical score guy. It was really effective. I would have to, to watch it again. Listen to it again. The mu- I'm going to say this now. The score in this movie, amazing. Yeah, it was. Um, and I, I don't know off the top of my head who did the score in this movie. So good. And especially when we see the Winter Soldier. Right. We get that screech. Yeah. 
um, almost like a like a shrill. Right. So that comes up on on whenever we see Bucky on on the screen, and I have to say this too: the Winter Soldier as a villain, as an antagonist, amazing. Every time he's on screen, it's tense. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you don't know if Mackie or uh, if Falcon's going to make it. You don't know if Black Widow's going to get killed. Right. And everything that he does is so measured. And, and keep in mind, I, you know, keep in mind for those people who don't know this, uh, you know, for years, the the two you know mainstays of you know comic book characters always come back to life, but the two people, three I guess, with ones that never come back to life ever. Our Uncle Ben for Peter Parker, you know, uh, the original Flash, Barry Allen, and Bucky for Captain America. Those are three for decades. Nobody will ever bring them back. They're sacrosanct. It can never be done because it would just be too hokey and whoever could do it, whoever do it would be stupid. Uh-huh. It would be done well. And then in 2006, uh, Ed Brubaker brought back the Winter Soldier story. Which so is... he wasn't around until 2006? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. I thought it was... That was the '90s. So think about that. Ah. I mean, he was killed back in the uh-huh. the '40s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is a long time. Right. Uh, so I just reread that last night, <laughs> and it's a great story. I read it several times. Uh, and who wrote that? Ed Brubaker. Okay, he's a great guy, great writer. Uh, and you know, he did it believably. He did it in a way that made sense, and it was that he uh, made a compelling, you know, next stage for that character. Yeah, that so was great. I mean, you look at, at Bucky in this movie, right? When, after he confronts him and Black Widow, well, <laughs> so, I think we get, we get the first, the first thing of Bucky when Nick Fury is on the run. He's, right. he's trying to escape, you That's know, right. from everybody getting him. And that scene, that scene is really good. Yes. With, with him, you know, just trying to escape everything. This movie, the Russos... I don't know, honestly, what else they've done, but because mm. of this movie, I kind of want to look and see what they've done and watch it because That's this true. was so good. Yeah, good point. Um, it reminded me of Heat a little bit at points uh, when you had you know the gunplay oh, yeah. on the on the streets with all the cars and everything, and you had all these other things happening. And I really want to look and see what they've done because it, it it was so effective. But so continuing on, we got uh, Sitwell, obviously. Yes. Who is revealed to be one of the first Hydra agents in the movie. Right. And then um, he's captured by Captain America and crew. After they recruited Falcon. After they recruited Falcon. In fact, they're the only person, they're out of options. We're Mm -hmm. going to go get Falcon. Mm -hmm. And then they realize, you know what? He never said he was a pilot. And how how good (laughs) is his character, though? um, So he's he's out of the military. Right. And he's helping other, you know, uh, um, veterans. At the at the uh, the what are they the VA the VA right so and you know Captain America stops by and he enters, he's listening to these people's stories and it's like that was powerful stuff it's like you know he he uh, Captain America understands the need for what he's doing and understands why he's doing it they have they have an understanding Falcon is a regular guy he's right. he's a guy in a suit but he doesn't have the money of Iron Man but he's still a guy in a suit with right. with with good morals. Which seems to be a trait of of the friends of Captain America, right? Um, but you know he's he's following Captain because he believes in Cap, which everybody starts to believe in Cap, you know, before the end of the movie because he gives his speech at the end of this movie. And he's like, "Did you write that down?" Or is yeah. it out the cup? <laughs> um, so his his character is really well done. 
really well developed. And then you get the scene where they have Sitwell on the on the roof and they throw him yeah, off the roof. That was great. I was like, what? <laughs> because at this point you hadn't seen the Falcons get right. up yet. So you see that. Falcon comes and brings Sitwell back up there. And after they threw him off the roof, what are they talking about? The buddy buddy. They're talking about the other girl over in, you know, accounting or whatever that you go see. Um, so, and then after that, Sitwell tells him what's up. And he's like, oh my God, Pierce is going to kill me. And... And he's right. Yeah. I mean, the, I think that next scene when they're traveling yeah. on the highway, who's the first person that, that gets happens. it? Yep. He's ripped out of the car. And... That whole scene that that follows, there's not a lot of dialogue. There's there is intense action, and you're glued. Yeah, you and, want and, it. That's right. And Black Widow could have been killed at any time. Yeah, I mean it, it's very realistic that she he, got shot. Yes, Winter Soldier wanted to kill her. He uh-huh. was trying to kill her. And uh-huh. She just barely escaped a couple times. Yep. I mean you can just tell because she's so trained. Right. Like the fact that Bucky stood up to Cap the way he did. You know, in, in the fights and everything, was yeah. able to counter him. And in the fight with him, is that when they did the iconic sh- yeah. shot of him right. punching the shield? Uh, did he dent the shield? I can't remember. He can't dent the shield. He can't. So yeah. nothing did the shield. Now, the one difference in the shield between the comics and this is that in the, she- in the comics, the shield is made of both adamantium, which is, you know, you can't, it can't be hurt. Vibranium. And, and vibranium. I thought it was just vibranium. Uh, I- I don't think it's made of vibranium in the in the movies because if it was vibranium, it would absorb all shock. All shock. And and you know he gets hit with, you know, with a with a missile or you know a a, a the uh, cyborg arm or an he Avengers when yeah. Thor hits it. It's it, it which is a little inconsistent because with Thor's hammer when he hits it, it feels like it's it acts like it's made of vibranium. It absorbs mm-hmm. that shock, but then when he gets hit with a bomb, you know, with a missile. It pushes him back, which it shouldn't if it has vibranium. So yeah. it's a little nitpicky well, there. In Avengers, when Thor hit the hammer, it created this shockwave. So it didn't avoid the shock, and it leveled that... that uh... Yeah, or it should have leveled Captain America. Well, true. <laughs> yeah, but it's Cap. It should have so... dissipated off to the sides. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So so that, that scene there, when... In just the, the filmography... In the, or not mm. filmography. The... The art direction, whatever it's called, the the shots, right. the direction. We'll just say the, the direction, direction of this of this particular scene, where you have the shadows. So like you know, right. widow's running and she sees the shadow the bridge, there. and so then she just knows to start shooting up, and then she hits his uh, uh, goggles. Right, and you see a crack in the goggles, so he yep. takes them off. Takes them off. He's so he's first part of the unmasking. Exactly. Right. And the way that they do that unmasking, just him taking off that first part, slowly getting unmasked through this whole process, yeah. and then the reveal at the end. It was great. It's like, and then when when he's when when Captain America says Bucky, mm-hmm. and he says who's Bucky? By the way, that's exactly what happened in the comic. Is that the same line? Yes, it's the same line. And you know, one thing that maybe they'll come across in the next movie that if they have a little more history in the in the comic is that Bucky was trained in the comic to be the deadly killer right. that Captain America couldn't be. Right. So he, you know, before he even lost himself, become Winter Soldier, he was already the killer. He was he was better than Captain America in terms of infiltration and killing. Yeah. So that's why he can stand up to him. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Now you'll know this better than I will. In the comic book, I believe they were trying to experiment on Bucky with the super soldier super soldier serum serum right super soldier. It's like three S words in a row. Right. It's hard to do. <laughs> 
They were experimenting with him, I think, in the comics, right? right. On Bucky. That's right. why he can kind of match Captain America right. at that point. In the movie, it's not really clear. It wasn't clear, but you know, Arnim Zola had him for a right. while, so it's kind of presumed that he was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So continuing on, Zola. Sorry, Zola. <laughs> I just threw, for those on the on listening, I just threw post-it notes at Don. <laughs> Zola is in this movie, so we all remember right. him from Captain America: The First right. Avenger. And in this movie, he's he's transported his intelligence, his mind, his being, into a series of data data tapes, or what we would like to call like hard drives anymore. Right. But so he's made himself into an AI, who he becomes. Doesn't he become Modok later? Uh, no, Mordok is different. But okay. Arnim Zola is, in fact, just a disembodied intelligence in, like, computer form that's, you know, in a robot leg, you know, instead of body. Right. Kind of. No, he's not dead, though, right? Yeah, I mean, dead. he is? Oh, you mean in, in comics or movie? Either in, one in the, the movie. No. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking, because, you know, I don't think, well, they sacrificed himself, or they said they, we lost Zola. They think he is. Yeah, Alexander Pierce says he is, but, you know, we all know he's coming back. Right, because I would think that, you know, he would make a backup of himself. Right. I mean, I I would love if it ties into Ultron, in some way. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, that, that would point. be awesome. Yeah. So, and we see him him track down this uh, the USB drive to this yeah. the old army base. That good he, thing there's a USB uh, little port there <laughs> in that old army base. <laughs> in the old, exactly. You see the lights come on automatically as they walk in. That was great. Uh-huh. <laughs> I assume Arnim Zola put that. You know, did that part. But. Yeah, I, I mean, you gotta suspend your disbelief just a little bit, but yeah. uh, other than that, it's great. So we, he walks in there, and they bomb the base, and, you know, I think it was like 30 seconds after they put in the flash drive or whatever, that right. he was stalling them. Oh, wait, um, first we got, when they were trying to find out where they were supposed to go, when they were in the Mac store, yes. and they go in there, and they're, they're talking to the guys like, where are you guys looking to go on your honeymoon? Oh, New Jersey. Huh. All right. <laughs> Your typical Apple IT guy, <laughs> which that guy actually he's he's somebody. Oh, is he? Um, he's some sort of so, you know, like internet celebrity kind of guy. I can't remember who who he is. I want to say he's like from. Oh, Amy maybe he's on Silicon Valley. No, I don't yeah, think he's on there, but he seems like the kind of character that would be. Yeah. Well, anyway, he's he's somebody. Um, but so he looks like oh, New Jersey, nice, you know. <laughs> and so then they go to this army base where he gets these flashbacks of of you know when he was. Uh, the scrawny, right? Scrawny guy. So that was kind of cool to see him flash back to those. And we had the other flashback, I think it was later on, where him and Bucky are walking after a yeah, funeral. Whose funeral was it? Was it his mom's? I think it was his mom's. Yeah. Okay. And you know, and, and then, that, that's where the line came in too. Right. I'm with you to the end uh, of the line. To the end of the line. Yeah. So and we see the relationship between Bucky and 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 Steve. That is as deep as you can go as a friendship because they they've got each other's back. Well, honestly, um, Bucky's got Steve's back more than Steve could right. have Bucky's back. At that but point. Steve, yeah, <laughs> but Steve, you know, he yeah. he would do whatever he could for Bucky. You could tell, yeah. but I mean, he, he just can't do a lot. Right. But he he would stay until the end. <laughs> um, but so you look at the relationship that they're painting here between these two characters, and the reveal on the on the highway when Cap sees him. He's like, I thought you were dead. Yeah. I mean, he just stands there. <laughs> he's, yeah, he stands there. He's like, he's in disbelief. He doesn't. And, and that's how the shield got him because yeah. he was still just stunned. Yep. Otherwise, otherwise he would have been fighting. He would right. not have been captured. Yeah. But. So we move on in the movie. I mean, we're, I'm sure we're going yeah. long. By, this, by the way, 
I went back to the first movie to see what the last line was a cap if it was the end of the line movie, but that wasn't in there. Oh, okay. It was in the zip line going down to the the train. Okay. So, but it wasn't there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we continue on with you know Alexander Pierce, uh, in this movie he he calls in the asset before the scene on the highway, and that's when you know he's bad. Yeah. Is because he comes in there yeah. at first when you see Winter Soldier sitting there. And Pierce sees him. Yeah. You don't know what's right. happening, but then they sit, sit down and have a conversation. You understand, okay, this guy's controlling the strings. He's part of Hydra. And so then, and then Alexander kills his housemate. Yeah, I mean, forgot the cell phone. I mean, <laughs> that's a good clue too. He he was sitting in the in the shade. I mean, he he didn't know. He was in the dark. Right. She didn't know who was there. Um, but so you go on. Hydra's revealed. You know. Yep. And it's 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 Black Widow and it's Captain America and it's Falcon against a corrupt shield that's full of Hydra. They don't know who Hydra is. Right. And I have to say, did you watch Agents of Shield? Of course. Okay. The first season of Agents of Shield, when this movie takes place, before it came out. Is that what you're talking about or before after? Big right difference. after. Big difference. So okay. right after. Yeah. This movie ties in directly to Agents of Shield. Right. Because the events of this movie obviously affect what's happening in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it's not S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. Right. Because with the reveal of Hydra in this movie, Hydra's also revealed to be a huge part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. So you got all these factions that start happening. So, I, we haven't really touched on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. much in, in these but, conversations. But that's what but changed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from okay to, to good. really good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because before that, it was kind of like, they were on autopilot, right? Yeah. They were just like, they're, month- they're biding time waiting for this movie. Exactly. And yeah. since then, the nice thing is they've kind of kept up that speed and everything that they did before the agent, the uh, Winter Soldier tie-in right. actually makes sense now. Right. So it, it ties back into what they've done. So I just wanted to bring that up too because yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. honestly is a good uh, TV show to watch if you haven't seen it. Um, you got to get into this point where the the movie Captain America Winter Soldier intersects with the TV show to really kick it into high gear. You know, you really just watch the first episode... And then kick off with the one after this movie. I mean, if you need, if you didn't when want do to they, watch all of them, I wouldn't. When do they d- discuss the Tahiti spring. thing? What's that? When do they discuss the Tahiti thing? It came from the first episode. Well, when do they reveal what it was? Oh, what it was? Yeah, it was before the movie. Because it also there was a tie into Thor: The Dark World, but that wasn't really wasn't anything. much of a tie-in. But this this movie affects, and part of the reason why this movie is number one for me is that it has ramifications that affect everything after it. You can't say the same about Thor, the Dark World. You can't say the same no. about Thor, or a, you can't about Thor. You can't say the same about Guardians, even, because Guardians is its own thing. They're out in who knows where. Yeah. Nowhere. Right. <laughs> Space somewhere. Exactly. Oh. So, this movie affects everything going forward, and I really want to see where it picks up in Age of Ultron, because now S.H.I.E.L.D. is defunct, Right. In the TV show, they're rebuilding S.H.I.E.L.D. in a way. Um, Hydra is revealed to be out there. Van Strucker, obviously, he's in this movie at in the in, uh, middle of the credit scene. And the middle of the credit scene also ties in, you know, some other people that we'll talk about in a second. Right. But before we get there, we get to the part where Project Insight is being launched and it's going to target all these people. And we get the call out of Stephen Strange. Right. And we get the call out of all these other people, you know, that are in there. Yeah. 
which is the first mention of Stephen Strange in the Marvel Universe, and he's going to his own correct. movie. Yep. Doctor Strange, for those who uh, who may not know who Stephen Strange is. Sorcerer Supreme. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, he plays a big role, like yeah. in the Marvel Universe as a whole. Who's who's his big foil? Um, no, uh, Mardu. No. Uh, Mordru. No, is it something like that? It's something Mordu, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so we get the call out to that person, and we get the call out for these other people who I don't know who they were, like a valedictorian of a high school. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure if that was supposed to be anybody specific. Yeah, or not. But then you get when the targeting system comes up, you see them targeting like Tony Stark. Yeah, you know, and Stark Which Tower. Which makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> so they're targeting all these people with this project. Insight, which I don't know if that's really the name that the Hydra calls it, but whatever. Mm. Um, and so Falcon and Cap are going to these three helicarriers trying to put in these, these chips, right? And you just, you get to the point where you're not sure what's going to happen. You don't know. I mean, you, you assume that when you watch the movie that Cap's going to be able to save the day. But when you see Bucky face off against Falcon... Yeah, and easily take him down. Yeah, I was wondering, <laughs> I was like... Is Falcon gone already? Like, is yeah. he? Is he? I mean, is Winter Soldier gonna be able to take him out? But I mean, obviously, he gets to the ground. And he's gonna shoot awful late. Yeah, but but he has he he had you know he had one more task to do, which is good. You know, because crossbones. Oh, that's true. So yeah, so conveniently he still has something to do on the ground. Right, but, right, right, right. <laughs> but uh, so you get to that part there, and all while this is happening, I think is when Black Widow is fighting. You know, Alexander Pierce. Yep fighting in air right. quotes and then uh sam jackson shows up right he walks in there it's the big reveal he's like oh dude the flowers has some <laughs> i mean it's still the writing in this movie so good and so you continue on in the story and the other like big directors the council members were all they were killed right with those little things uh yeah i think they all were is that right yeah, I think they were. Because you press a button and it activates right. something on their chest, which I assume killed yes. them. But, so, and then Black Widow played the, the female, one of them, took him down. Right. Fury comes in, takes off his eye patch. Yeah, uses dead eye. And I gotta say, <laughs> I'm not sure that really works. From an IT perspective, <laughs> if, if, if uh, you were terminated employment in the company, we would delete all your access. Right. We, we would also delete your. your Bad eye retina scan. I mean, we wouldn't just leave it out there. Okay. Well, I have to believe that because he built up this agency from scratch, pretty much, that he had a back door. Right. His dead eye was the back door. Right. And I get that, but still, it's like, yeah, I know. Why, how, why was that eye still active in the system? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm sure you deleted my eye, but you didn't delete this one. I'm like, what? <laughs> so we we get that point, and you know, and then they dump all the secrets on the internet. Yeah, uh, which everything. they would not have done, except we can't, except for Captain America, because Captain America said, "You know what? We're tearing it all down." Because Nick, that is against Nick Fury's nature to dump secrets on the internet. Well, true, but I mean, he was done anyway at that point. Yeah, I mean, he he torched his stuff at the end. He's he no longer, yeah. and his headstone at the end. I'm sure you caught yes. what that was. Okay, so, um, and then the the whole progression there, and you know, Fury shoots shoots Pierce. And Cap and Bucky are fighting on the on the helicarrier, the last, the last helicarrier. Right. And at that point, Cap's completed his mission. You can tell he he was fighting him only for one reason before was mm -hmm. to complete that mission to save all his lives. Right. 
But now that his mission's done, he's not fighting him anymore. Right. He's Bucky's, just taking Bucky's trapped. Yeah. He's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bucky's trapped. He's going to die. He saves him. And then, you know, Cap, the iconic, in my mind, like, you're my friend, you're my mission. Right. And then, you know, he, he's punching him. He's punching him with his metal arm and everything. And he he doesn't fight back. And, I mean, I think at that point, you know, Bucky's probably trying to reason why. Like, what what's going on? You, I, I, I know I know you in some aspect, and I don't know what's happening yet. I don't get it. But he's still trying to do his mission at the same time. Yeah. So, the fact that Cap is just going to let let him kill him, it's powerful. And that's when he uses that line, too. You know, I'm here to the end of the line. I'm here to the end of the line. Yep. Reminding him. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, at that point, you, you're not sure what's going to happen with Bucky at this point. Captain falls down. You know, something crashes down, and he's going to drown. Yep. I mean, he doesn't have the energy or the stamina to save himself. But then you see that glimpse of the arm coming to get him. The metal arm. Right. So, I, just so good. That is good. And then, after that, it goes into the, you know, we get another scene again with, with Black Widow, um, this time, not Tony Stark, against a, a, a committee of right. of government people. And just, you know, having her way with them this time. She's like, arrest me if you dare. Yeah, exactly. You but me. you need me. <laughs> um, and then, we get to the end, where Cap's like... Waking up with with Anthony Mackie's character sitting there, mm-hmm. you know, on your left. Yeah, that was great. Such a great way in this movie, <laughs> yeah. but that, but it doesn't end there. It does not. But, so we get the credit scene, the end credit scene, which will tie into next week's movie, yep. Age of Ultron, which is we see it's it's now Baron Strucker calls it the Age of Miracles. They have they have the the scepter that Loki had. Right. I affectionately call this, by the way, the Loki Pokey stick. <laughs> so, so they have the Loki Pokey stick there, and it's it's sitting there, and I think that's the mind gem in that one, I think if I'm not right. mistaken. Yeah. And then you can see Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, who are going to have a big role in Age of Ultron. Right. So, it's I'm really anxious to see where they take those two characters and go with them because they're big players in in the Avenger universe in a whole. But at the very end, after the credits, we get Bucky in the Smithsonian exhibit for Captain America looking at his own plaque, or yep. looking at his own exhibit, and just trying to figure things out. You can, I mean, you can see like him just looking. The I forget the person's in the, the actor's name, but his reaction shots, just the facial actions on him, mm-hmm. his reaction shots for, for this end scene, and also when he's fighting Captain America just the look on his face yeah it's tortured he's doing so yeah. much so much with it without even saying anything mm-hmm. so good but that brings us to the end <laughs> like I said I could talk about this movie for days I know um, and folks so. for the, for those of you who don't know I have no notes in front of me I'm just like now real quick spewing information Scarlet Witch yes so she is traditionally the one who's been able to take down Ultron in the past so I'm assuming that's what she'll do here because she has this, you know, odd hex power magic uh, that is totally contrary to science. And she'll attract Stephen Strange, I'm sure. Yeah, and I guess that, that's probably right. Mephisto! That was his name, Oh, Mephisto? Mephisto? Okay, yeah. I so. call him Mephisto, but I know other people call him yeah. Mephisto. But, uh, but, you know, we'll see. And, of course, traditionally, originally she started out as a villain, mm-hmm. just like she's going to start out now. She's a Hydra asset right now. Uh, and then she joins the Avengers. 
So it'll be interesting if she actually is possible going to spoilers. Be I don't know. I we mean, don't know. we have no idea. The comic books, this could be different. Very different. So, but this movie, as you can see, that's why it's my number one. That's right, my turn. <laughs> Long way of saying <laughs> that was my number one. So, this movie has. I'm not. It, it's a film. Mm-hmm. If you even take this movie out of the Marvel universe, yeah. take it out. It's a good film on its own. A good story, good standalone story, but the fact that it's part of a bigger universe. Right. That it affects everything TV and um, movies going forward. So good. And in fact, and in, you know, it, it made it made me go back and watch Captain America 1 and appreciate it more. Right. And, you know, the Avengers did the same thing for me with Iron Man 2, honestly. Hmm. I went back and watched Iron Man because I Going back with when we did this, uh, started this thing, I was like, yeah, Iron Man 2, I didn't like that one. <laughs> but knowing what you know right. and going right. back and watching these movies, you will have a different perspective because you know what comes and you know what's building to. And so the fact that Black Widow plays a big part in Iron Man 2. True. And you get a lot of seeds that are sown for the Avengers. Yeah. It makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, because so. she seemed like a throwaway character in the originally in Iron Man too. Right, like almost. she was like, well, you know, she was in there. She had a couple cool scenes, but that's yeah. about it. Yeah, but then she's obviously played a bigger part in Avengers, and in this, this is her biggest role. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, and her so. fight scenes got better too. Right. So yeah, and she became more of a real person in this movie. Yep. So that's uh, <laughs> I think so that's, that's our all favorite. I... If you haven't seen it, you better go watch. If it. you haven't seen <laughs> Captain America: The Winter Soldier. I definitely recommend you go see right. it, especially before you see Age of Ultron, because oh, yeah. it. All right, well, let's. We've talked about our favorite movies. Let's go essentials. Mm-hmm. What are the essential movies from the beginning oh. of these movies to get it to get to the Age of Ultron? So I would say essential movies would be Iron Man. Yeah. Number one, um, and then honestly, Iron Man two, Thor. So you can understand why. Yeah, Thor but I don't there. think you need Thor two, the Dark just, World. Not Thor two, no. Right. Just the first Thor. Right. Um, you don't need Iron Man three. Right. Well, mm, I don't think you need it. It could make sense, honestly. Of these, of the Phase one movies, cut out Thor or cut out uh, Hulk. Yeah, you don't need Hulk at all. You don't need Hulk. But you pretty much need the rest of them. Of phase yeah, one. you need Captain America one too, also. Yeah. Because you need to get the background. Yeah. <laughs> With the Phase 2 movies, cut out Thor, <laughs> The Dark World. Right. You don't need that. You may not really even need Cap or Iron Man uh, 2. Or, I'm sorry, Iron Man 3. Right. But I do think that him building all those suits and everything kind of that's will play true. into the... That's that's a good point. Will play into a character yeah. that's going to be revealed in, the, Iron, in yeah. the Avengers and also the Ultron Protocol yeah. and everything else. So I think that that might be something that you'll need to watch before going into the event Age of Ultron. Um, Thor of the Dark World probably will have something to do with it. I don't think you really need to watch Guardians of the Galaxy before it. No. There may be so. something that ties in with the one of the might stones, be, but... possibly. But I don't think so. It's pretty tangential. So I think those obviously are going to be your you need Captain America too. Right. <laughs> this is an essential. This is... Right. I mean, if nothing else, Avengers, Cap 2, and then Age of Ultron. If right. nothing else. Because that, that gets you going. Uh, I think you need Iron Man also. The first Iron Man. Yeah, the first Iron yeah. Man. I mean, because I can see that. Because you get... That starts it all. Right. But, I mean, you can really get by without seeing Hulk. 
So the bottom two movies, yeah. you don't ever need to see those again. <laughs> that's right. Um, so that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be it for Captain America this week. Okay. So as we wrap this thing up, I will be tomorrow going up to Chicago and going to C two E two. So this podcast, as long as everything gets taken care of and edited together properly, will be posted before I head up to Chicago. So if you see me in C two E two tomorrow morning. Uh, or anytime tomorrow, uh, say hi. I would love to uh, to meet and talk to our listeners. So I will be in the Chicago uh, Comic and Entertainment Expo, is what it stands for. C2E2.com. Um, next week, we'll be talking about Avengers Age of Ultron. Th- that'll be the culmination that we're going towards. So it's been a long road. We're going to get to Age of Ultron. I'm looking forward to this movie a lot. I mean, I don't know if... If you're as excited for it as I am, I'm sure you are. But I'm pretty excited, but I don't think I'm up to it as much as you are because I try and keep my expectations low. Which is probably <laughs> for the best. <laughs> but, you know, the last two weeks we talked about Guardians. We talked about um, my top three movies right. are Avengers, Guardians, and Cap, right? And Avengers 2, and this one takes place immediately after, you know, Guardians and Cap, so... Right. My expectations are pretty high. I'm hoping for really good. I, and the problem is I want to temper my expectations to get into it because I, I really want to be, I want to like it. Right. I, the reviews are coming out and saying that it's not as good as the Avengers. Hmm. But I mean, the Avengers was the first. Yeah. It, it, it was new, right? Now you're expecting the same level of, but more. You want escalation. Right. You need ex- escalation um, when you look at a sequel. But anyway, I'm Age of Ultron next week. I'll be seeing it. Yes. I'll be seeing it Thursday. Uh, also, if you're in the Chicago area, <laughs> I'll be seeing it Thursday at the Navy Pier IMAX 3D showing at 10 p.m. So, looking forward to that next week. But, um, no entertaining code this week. I didn't have really time to, to kind of enter, figure that out this week. I'm very busy with housework, as I said. So, I do have a question for you, Don. And I think I know the answer. But for our listeners, what is your favorite Marvel movie so far? And you know what? I'll expand this out. Marvel movie that has been made out of any lineage. So this current one that we have with the Avengers kind of lineage, or Spider-Man movies, or Punisher with Thomas Jane, or... (laughs) Not a contender. (laughs) Dolph Lundgren Punisher. Yeah, there you go. So the only contenders are Spider-Man 2, Uh X-Men 2, and Captain America 2. So... Of your Am top I three, one? am I missing one? I, I I wouldn't put Fantastic Four up there at all. No, I agree. Uh, first Class, X Men First Class was I like X Men really Two better. Myself. You like oh. X Two better? Oh, but there's the new X Men movie. I forgot about that one. Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past. You would put that in the, above X or First Class? Yes, I definitely yeah. would put that above First Class. First Class was so good. It was good. It was great. But First Class. Uh, I'm not first class. Days of Future Past. Did you just like it because it righted the wrongs of X-Men 3? It helped a lot. (laughs) So, X-Men 3, I absolutely hated because they had so many characters. They tried to do so much. And Brett Ratner does not know how to do anything with... Anyway. So, they destroyed the character of Jean Grey. Yes, they did. But the, the best thing about Days of Future Past is the end. Spoilers. By the stage of future past, you yeah. should have seen it by now. 
But it the, is the end of that movie where it rectifies everything that went wrong. Right. With the and They're all alive again. Yeah. Right. So. I so, agree. But yeah, I, I, I understand the the fixing the wrongs side of why it would be in your top three. Yeah. But I don't know. X2 is probably still... Yeah. It's tough. Either one. They're both Wolverine worship movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, especially when Dare to Future Fast, Fast shouldn't be, it was really, you know, Kitty Pryde went back. Right. Not Wolverine. Right. But they couldn't do that. <laughs> well, Wolverine has to I be understand. a character. Everybody loves Wolverine. That's right. He's getting older. He has to be able to rip that shirt off a few more times. Old Man Logan. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they're going to do that an Old Man right. Logan. That... Okay, that would be good. <laughs> um, so, if, listeners, what was what is your favorite movies so far from the Marvel comic book universe? Any of them. Spider-Man, Punisher, mm. whatever. Daredevil. I mean, there was a Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck. There was also yeah. an Electra movie. <laughs> Let's not forget about that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, what, what is your favorite Marvel movie? I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I'll go ahead and say my favorite Marvel movie out of all Marvel movies is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. No. So, I mean, Spider-Man 2, high high regard for me. X-Men 2 is also high up there, too. But I think I would put First Class above X-Men 2. Okay. So, you know, I, and I might do this for, for one of our future episodes, is just rank all of the Marvel, Marvel movies. But There's a lot of them. That, there's a lot. <laughs> I have to go back and watch them again with, with yeah. fresh eyes. There you go. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, give us a tweet or send us an email. Uh, tweet us at entertainingpod. And uh, let us know what your favorite Marvel movie is so far. And, of course, if you are excited with Age of Ultron, give us a tweet and say, that's my favorite Marvel movie. Um, but no spoilers. Because that's right. Because we don't want to spoil anything for Age of Ultron. Until next week. Give we... it a few weeks, anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, so next week, if you're listening to this pod now, if I don't mention it next week, we will be spoiling Age of Ultron in our discussion. But make sure you watch it uh, before you listen to the entirety of that episode. Um, please go ahead and send us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. We are available on all those applications for you to consume. Um, so give us an, a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you think might be a good addition. Um, and you can also tweet us on the Twitter, at EntertainingPod, or send us an email. That's entertaining at gmail.com. T-H-A-T-S-E-N-T-E-R-T-A-I-N-I-N-G at gmail.com. I am on Twitter at Sith Nightmare, S-I-T-H-K-N-I-G-H-T-M-A-R-E. So, longest Twitter handle ever. Yeah. Wow. Um, Justin, who is not with me this week, but he is also on Twitter at jpicky86, J-P-I-C-K-Y-8-6. Don, tell me, are you on Twitter? <laughs> I am not on Twitter. <laughs> if you were on Sorry. Twitter, what would your Twitter handle be if you had a perfect world? Uh, well, uh, I thought it would be X-Men 137. 137? We'll have to check and see. End of the Dark Phoenix Saga. Oh, okay. For those who don't know. X-Men 137. So, if maybe I can convince Don to get a Twitter handle here before (laughs) I leave, he might be at X-Men 137. Who knows? (laughs) So, um, Don, thank you for for allowing me to come and join you here in your Sanctum Sanctorum. Well, thanks for inviting me. This is my first podcast ever. Very, very exciting. Very fun. Yes. So, we hope that you have enjoyed our conversation this week, and we hope that you have been entertained.